Celebrating food. Don't we have to finish the podcast? What podcast? Oh, oh, shit! Oh, shit. Come on, we didn't finish over the garden wall. Oh, Fuck. God. Get over here. I was wondering why we put a part one on the last one. Ugh. Come on. Sit down. You guys are All having right. dinner? Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's November. Like, you didn't invite me? Why would we? I thought I was your friend. I don't know how to respond to that. I literally told you in the last take, please do not say that. I don't know oh, how to respond that to active. that. No, it would no. 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 Hey, everyone, this is Storyboard. Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Laura. I'm Nick. I'm Gavin. And I'm Sam. Again. She's still here. Still. I, li- I live here. <laughs> so we still need to finish over the garden wall. What do I do with this turkey? There was never a turkey. Wait <coughs> oh, to open the curtain. All right, all right, let's go, let's go, let's go. Podcast, podcast time, let's go. Time to finish over the garden wall, which we love so much. Guys, what episodes did we watch? We watched... The rest of them. All right, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. Episode six, what's up? What happened there? We're on a boat. <laughs> well, by in Frogland. Chill out. <laughs> <laughs> Just calm down for a sec there, God, Buster. We're late. We gotta hurry. Okay. We're late. We're late for a very important date. All right. Okay. All right, guys. We know what's up. We're starting to learn what's up now. This is this is the theory crafting episode. This is where we start interpreting shit a lot. So fucking buckle your asses in. All right. So where are we now? We're on a boat with it's rocks. A steamboat. Good boys. Steamboat. Steamboat. Frog boat. Choo choo. Nope. <laughs> fucking love frogs. And the steamboat, and there are frogs on it. Yes, yes. It's basically the best steamboat ever. Uh, yes. So, um, our intrepid protagonists are standing on the back of the boat, expositing about how they're on the way to Adelaide's house. Um... But Nick, how'd they get on the boat? They snuck on. Just going through the money away. Yeah. <laughs> Beatrice is acting uncharacteristically wistful, is that what he yes, said? Yes, that's what he said. Wistful! What he said. Yeah, she's acting like war. What the fuck? <laughs> She seems upset about the direction they're going. And Ward's yeah. acting like Greg, and Greg's still acting like Greg. Are you are you okay? You look uh, uncharacteristically wistful. Weren't you nerd? Shut up. You <laughs> fucking dork. Was that your word of the day, calendar nerd? <laughs> Sometimes you know a lot of words, and you just gotta use them to prove to prove to yourself that you know them. Max <laughs> Ward's books out of his hands and pushes them over. We just nerd into a locker. Beatrice is a strong bird. <laughs> I like how we're sit talking as if we're all not absolutely the nerds who would get pushed into lockers. 
Except Whoa. for Gavin, who would beat up the person. It's okay, the lockers in our school were way too small for that. <laughs> um, Coincidentally, I would be the only one who could fit in a locker. <laughs> and one sat in a tuba locker. That was the only locker I could fit in. Why did you do that? Because I wanted to. I once, <laughs> I once contortioned myself into a flute locker, I think. <laughs> no! Yeah. When I was a kid... I like to stick my arm all the way and touch the back of my locker. <laughs> of my flute locker, because I thought that was, like, just the funniest shit. When I was a kid at the YMCA, they had, like, the big, stall, tall standing lockers, and oh. I would always walk in there and close the door, and I remember one time I closed the door and I couldn't get it back open, <laughs> and I started freaking out. Uh, luckily. Call the fucking fire department. Basically, kids get stuck in shit, and that those are some of your fondest memories. <laughs> this is off topic. Let's go on. <laughs> Kids, put yourself in a trunk. No! One time my friend like, down the street decided it was a good idea for us to walk through the sewers, so we got I, like three or four turns in. I did that! And then I told, I yeah, you were there, and yeah. then we, we told mom about it later, and she said to never do that again. <laughs> oh my you don't do stupid shit now, what are you gonna laugh about later? So, oh, man. Greg starts singing the Adelaide Parade. Again, Wart joins in this time. And it's so lovely. pure. He laughs at the end, and it's so cute. Do we ever mention who first voices Wart? It's Elijah Wood. Yeah, the Lord of the Woods. Lord of the Woods. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Boy. Over the Rings. Lord I, of the Woods. I know, I know him more from the Bunny Museum series of videos. Honestly, I know him a lot from Red vs. Blue. He was in that. He was a was creepy he? dude. Yeah he, yeah, he was in that. Shoot. He was a weird flaming dude that... Was there for like one season and then never came back. And I know sometimes. him from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so that's who voices were. Anyway, then the police come. Police. The police. The frog police. Love him. Yeah, and the police are like trying to get him because they snuck on the boat. It's pretty straightforward. There's one this, of the more straightforward things in the show. There's this big Scooby Doo chase scene um, all around the boat. They're just running away, but they, you know they got stopped to salute the captain. Absolutely, the fucking captain. Um, I mean, they're really security more than police. When you said police, my mind went straight to the, ah, just kidding, happy Halloween. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just really, kidding. Happy I got Halloween. I really confused for a moment because I think we jumped several episodes. Uh, yeah, me too. Sorry. We'll get them, we'll get them. Also, the part where they run into two happy parents and slip on a co- baby. <laughs> they step on the children. It's horrible. I hate it. It's a tadpole. But then they uh, run into a, like, a storage locker and come out disguised as a band member. By well, putting Jason Funderburger on the top and the rest no. of them hiding under him in Wart's cloak. No, his no, name no, is no, George it's, Washington. It's George Washington right Well, now. you know what his name is because boop, 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 what's that? It's the 20-minute reminder to watch this show. Oh, <laughs> damn. I forgot about that, actually. <laughs> Listen, I'm feeling nice. Wart's in a good mood. I'm a, in a good mood. So, hey, friendo, just go watch the show, all right? I'm not going to insult and berate you like I usually do. <laughs> I will in the future. I'm, get, I'm revving up the engines now. <laughs> I, I need to I need to correct you guys that it's Wirt, Beatrice, and uh, J- and George Washington who are disguised as the band member. Greg is just the drum. Are you just, right? Drum me, drum me! He put a bass drum on his head. <laughs> I said to act natural. It's natural, I'm a drum, drum me! You make good points, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to bring us back to the point when they walk out of the closet. And first of all... Uh, Wirt's cloak has grown, like, three times in size. Yeah, they've really stretched it out. It's fine, it's good. Oh, yeah, um, Beatrice is in there, too. Yes, and Wirt starts 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 talking for George Washington and then reaches up and then grabs his mouth and starts, <laughs> like, like opening and shutting it, like, with his arm. And the security guards are just like, hmm. Like, none all of the right. other frogs have said a word. Yeah, the other Seems frogs don't sus, talk. but all right. <laughs> 
Uh, the other frogs wear clothes and walk around, but they don't talk. Um, then they're ushered onto the stage by the band director. Which is just the deer in a headlights feeling when you are about to get on and you haven't practiced enough. Today is not a good day to get arrested by frogs. I'm too <laughs> Damn young it, to you play to... your heart out. I'm too young to go to frog jail. Every day is a good day to get arrested by frogs, and you're never too young to go to frog jail, in my opinion. But you know what? But That's just my just hot go, take. You could legally go hang out with some frogs that are not jail frogs. <laughs> I like all frogs. Legally, you can hang out with some frogs. <laughs> it's your Ninth Amendment rights. What? <laughs> it's your Ninth Amendment rights. What's, you can hang out with frogs. That's the real Ninth Amendment. It's the coverall one. Which is true. It's true. It's true. Oh, oh my God! I got it right. Wait, it's, it's you hold rights that are not necessarily in this constitution, <laughs> so you have the right to yeah, hang out with right. frogs. That is, it's true. Solid. The founding fathers made room for this eventuality. They knew it was coming. They of course was they did, because he's George Washington. <gasps> hey. Full circle. Oh shit. Anyway, they accidentally smack a, a bassoon player with their drum hitty bit, and he, he fucking <laughs> dies. No, he just kind of slips around and, and bumps into a bunch of other frogs and causes some trouble, and then trips now on another baby. Band. Yeah. yeah, trips on another baby. Doesn't he fall off the boat? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's he a frog, he can swim. He's all, fine. All the passengers are not happy. They're fucking pissed. Anyone got the quote? Hot Jeez, dog, these... those frogs really love the bassoon. That's it. You know, this very tall band member just, you know, sort of sticks the bassoon in his chest and, uh... Well, Beatrice convinces Wirt to start playing the bassoon because someone had just said that if he were to do that, then they would get kicked off the boat. And she seems gung-ho about that. So really? after... Once these people get kicked off the boat? After arousing pep talk from Beatrice and Greg, uh, Wirt decides to start playing the bassoon. Almost as like... She doesn't want them to go to Adelaide mm. because she doesn't want them to be child servants. <laughs> she just will miss them. That's the impression we're getting at this moment. I guess Wirt uses his previous uh, clarinet experience to perfectly play the bassoon without having any sheet music in front of him. It's fine. I it's mean, fine. I mean, Wirt did say, "Hey, I don't know how to do this. This will be hard." And, and Beatrice was like, "Nah, I'll be fine." It's fine. Beatrice is telling the truth because the character is cute. They're automatically good in telling the truth. <laughs> I am feeling some <laughs> undertones from a certain game that came out recently, but we won't get into that. Uh, I really want him to be tell the truth, but Toby, you're gonna don't do this to us, Toby. So this bassoon really starts fucking. It's really jamming. It starts going. <laughs> it starts bopping. And it's a good thing that this band member's mouth is not taken up by. <laughs> I do want to add in real life. Bassoon. I sat next to a bassoon player in band, and like bassoon is. Like, hard to hear, man. Like, bassoon sounds like nothing. <laughs> I thought this is what bassoon sounded like. No, it is what bassoon no. sounds like, but, but bassoon is also really, really quiet. Especially... At least the person that sat next to me that played it was very, very quiet. Especially when there's only one bassoon player and a band of, like, over, like, a hundred kids. It's kind of also like bass drum, too. And it's a ballad yeah. size of a bedroll. <laughs> it's such a pretty instrument, though. I'd yeah. say it's the cello of woodwinds. That's yeah. why these frogs <laughs> like their bassoon. But it gets drowned out really easily in a big band. So that's why they have a small band with uh, one bassoon player and one singer and a bass drum. Speaking of singers, hot damn. Hot damn. With a voice of gold. 
This frog just opens up the pipes and fucking lets loose. Oh, so good. And we go into like a straight minute and a half of just fantastic song. And the rest of the frogs are like, oh shit, we gotta accompany this. So they're like playing the music along and the other frogs are like, oh shit, this is good. So they're just like swaying in enjoyment of the song. It goes from swaying to dancing to swing dancing. Of course, the disguise comes off for a brief moment and the frog police... (laughs) I know what you said. They're still police. The frog police are about to go get them, boys. But then everyone else on the boat is like, "Hey, shut up! Let them do their thing." Great, man. Yeah. Don't end this. I think that that performance was worth like two pennies. Exactly. Yeah. They came in and worked for it. They were gonna pay. I mean, they were gonna pay two pennies for all of them, and I mean that performance was definitely worth it. Yeah. Yeah. They get to their destination, which is the frog's hibernation ground. It's mud. Mud. Lots of mud. They're hibernating in the mud. And let me tell you, it's adorable. They just sort of dissolve in there. <laughs> the boys and girls go settle down for a long winter's nap. And their fancy clothes. And their fancy clothes. Oh, that have been ruined by that money. They're not ruined. They're still good clothes. They're frog clothes. It's okay. Right. Beatrice buys herself another night. Yeah, she convinces them to stay uh, to stay in the mud for a stay while. Stay at that mud over there. And meanwhile, just Greg is super into it. I call that mud! <laughs> she immediately dives in. We cut back to him later, and he has just got a mud cake on his head. Oh, mm-hmm. it's... Because Greg's a good boy. When she thinks they've fallen asleep, Beatrice flies off. Well, Cor- before that, what? before that, George Washington gets a record contract. <gasps> right, and socks. Good, good songs. And, and they, they gave socks. him socks. They put socks on his cold feet. Because George. the president is nude. Now he's got clothes. I'm gonna cover up those disgusting feet. They're not disgusting, yeah, they're, they're just, just cold and frog. His body is beautiful, <laughs> Nick. Way to body shame a frog. Fuck you! <laughs> Everybody goes to sleep, and then Beatrice flies off. And then where it wakes up and follows her. War the light fucking sleeper. (laughs) Within like half a second. Yeah. Beatrice flies off and goes to Adelaide's house. And immediately when she goes in, you get the feeling that Adelaide is not the the sweet old woman that you had assumed her to be. Because she says she arranged to help Beatrice get rid of her wings. By the way, which is fucked up, by snipping them off with scissors. Holy fuck, that makes me squeamish thinking about that. What a creepy bitch. <laughs> I mean, you well, say you say you didn't trust her because she started talking about creepy stuff. I didn't trust her the moment that I saw her creepy hands and her well, creepy and everything. And her sunken in eyes. I didn't trust her when she said that she wouldn't take the boys home, but would instead turn them into child servants. Yeah, that was the moment when I went. That's what I was going to say. Yes. Mm. she. Something's off here. But Beatrice had a change of heart because that's also when she says, hmm, something's off here. <laughs> she intends... To fill their heads with wool and make them act like sheep and obey everything she says, which is so fucked up. She'll and she implies their every she pretty command. much implies that the beast put her up to that. Also, implies fairy tale shit. Implies she listen. She says she was listening to the voice in her head, the beast, and she gets really fucking creepy there. Which I wonder how that how that splits. If the body is needed for the Edelwood, or if it's just the soul. If making them into servants would make them trapped in their body, and then they would give up and turn into Adelwood eventually. Knockity knock knock. Whoever could that be at this hour? The boys! <laughs> the boys are back in town. <laughs> they okay. open the door to find Beatrice talking to this creepy old lady, and they're like, hey, what the heck now? Hey, whoa, Adelaide! <laughs> and then immediately Adelaide's like, oh, good! And she reaches over, pulls one string, and immediately they are incapacitated. Which? Strung up. Hole up. 
That's some sophisticated trappery you got there, lady. There was a bunch of yarn on the floor. She just pulls one string and it, like, tangles Oof. them all up. God I mean, damn. she did say she doesn't like going outside, so I mean, what else she's... I mean, she's a she witch, but I feel like she works most of her magic with, like, sewing materials and yarn and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. at least according to what's around her cabin and she, what she's doing. She has a Black Widow hourglass thing on the back of her shawl, so she's like a spider type thing. Speaking of string, I would like to take this moment to, to transition to talking about the soundtrack real, real quick. The song that plays when they're talking with Ta Adelaide and they're in her house is almost completely done with string instruments. Oh! It's all, like, plucking, and as we get later on and Adelaide uh, starts losing, they kind of make a sound that makes, like, strings snapping. Yeah, so after they've been uh, tangled up, Beatrice is like, oh, "That's cool no. shit. And she flies over to open the window because Adelaide has been complaining about if that she will catch her death of cold if they leave the window open. And as soon as Beatrice opens the window and the fresh air hits Adelaide's body, she begins she to like starts smoke hitting that sweet, sweet melt. vape. Cotton. <laughs> 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 And Joke about cotton and thread. Anyway, that like the whole room fills up with this like smoke coming off of this witch's body, and in the confusion, Wirt and Greg disappear. And by the time the smoke is cleared, all the Boy, all wait, the yarn you is, really is yeah. All the yarn... I wish I could do that line justice. It was one of the cutest lines she's ever said. <laughs> As she adorable. watches someone die in front of her, she utters the cutest line she has. <laughs> Another thing is that as soon as the window is opened and Adelaide is dead. During that same song, you can actually hear bats in the background because the because the window's been open. Bats, yeah, like oh, like, like bat, bat wing, wing no, 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 like uh, like bat screams. Ah! Why? <laughs> That's what a bat sounds like when it screams. Because what is, what? because yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. But yeah, <laughs> no, they, they open up the window. What does that have to do with anything? Because she just opened up the window, and it's there's the, bats and, outside. And it's the night air. You can hear the you can hear the bats now. And that's part of the song. I guess. I bet it's cooler if I can hear it. But it I, is yeah, okay. <laughs> when, when I'm just imagining a giant bat coming in and eating Adelaide, pulling her out the window. <laughs> no, I'll catch my death of cold. <laughs> you will catch your death of bat. <laughs> You'll catch your death of these hands. <laughs> so yeah, witch dies. Kids escape. Bird is sad. Um, <laughs> yeah. We we end off the episode. Um, Beatrice can't find Wart and Greg, um, and she really didn't want to betray them. She was trying to stop them from heading to Adelaide's house because she knew that something was wrong there. I mean, but, the last thing that she did was was try to convince Adelaide to take her instead. The yeah. problem is she just got attached to them and be- became friends with them, so she didn't want to hand them over. No, the problem is is that that whole shit looked really bad to Wart, who also didn't stay to listen to any sort of explanation, and now Wart's just all old and bitter. At his his, he's not old. He's just like angry. Yeah, but he's like he's Whoa. he's he's a man who's seen his heart been broke. Beatrice, what are you doing? That is woodman woodsman voice. He wasn't Beatrice, what are you doing? No, the woodsman's in the next one. Yeah, next one. Speaking Wars. of woodsman, yeah, but what was it called? Uh... <laughs> Uh, Next one ringing was... of the bell. Yes, it was oh, ringing yes. of the bell. Ringing of the bell. This one's fucked up. <laughs> it's it's cool. This episode, uh, the last episode, leads off with uh, Greg and Wart walking through the woods. As uh, it always does. Yeah, Greg's and goofing that's... off, and Wart gets like just really short with him. Like, re- like he totally reverted back to even worse than like episode one from when he was all happy on the boat and shit. Well, we also see him doing like sad poetry again. Yes, <laughs> it's just like obviously his his reversion back to his annoying, basically 
Sad poetry is his coping mechanism, I guess. And then this episode opens up with Greg being a delightful little goofball and Wart being really fucking short with him. It starts raining. Don't they run into oh, the wait. Woodsman? So Greg Greg's goofing off and all that that stuff, and he's he's wondering if Wart really actually has a plan because the boy needs some goddamn leadership. Wart Wart instead of having a plan just tells Greg that he you know if he doesn't like it you know you can go off and you can go with Beatrice. That's fine. Uh, you can do whatever you want. And Greg goes, whatever I want. Wow, that's a lot of power. <laughs> and then a tree falls over, and there is people around here. So oh no, Wart, did I almost crush you with by knocking over that tree with my powers? I'm sorry, Wart. <laughs> it wasn't Greg, it was Woodsman. Coming to warn them, but they still think he's the beast. Yeah, I typically don't try to warn people by knocking over trees onto them, but that's fine. He's just trying to stop them and have them not run away, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> to be fair, that he is And what's, he, what's he the best at? Chopping trees down. <laughs> Utilize your skills. He's really so, playing to his skill set. <laughs> so the woodsman, uh, woodsman grabs Wirt and tries to tell him that the beast is here and that he's going to take him and... He's trying to warn him, but we're still believing the, the woodsman to be uh, his, what he believes him to be the beast, immediately tries to get him off of him by just quickly, just like in the, in the quickest motion, just kicking the, the lantern just like a little bit. It's just like, I can't describe it. He gives him the old razzle-dazzle. He, he, he kicks the lantern. There's no other way to <laughs> say it. The woodsman corners him against the tree, and Wart looks at the lantern in his in his offhand and kicks it out of it, and the woodsman freaks out, and Wart runs, runs away. I mean, Wart's just, like, super fucking terrifying. This is, this is the calmest any actual good guy has ever been. Like, because every other good guy that has really tried to significantly help them has just been horribly terrifying. No, I'd argue that the woodsman is being horribly terrifying to them in this moment. I mean, he's cornered... Yeah, but not as much. He's, he's chopped a tree down on into their path, cornered them against it, grabbed Wart by the hand, and, and tried to, like, hold him there as he raves in his face about the bees. Yeah, but that's not as terrifying as literally every other time. <laughs> I would argue, yes, it is. Hi, I'm a giant pumpkin. I want you to dig some graves. He's a tiny shredded man with an axe who's crazy, <laughs> like, raving mad, cornered this boy, this poor boy against a giant tree trunk. I argue that's pretty scary. Why can't this show be set in summer so we can get some hot ass shots of the woodsman? <laughs> that's what this show needs. Then it starts raining. <laughs> yeah, it starts fucking raining, so they uh, they find a house and take cover. I enjoy the fact that they see this house like, oh, it's perfect! When have you kids ever found a creepy old house in the woods and it turned out not terribly? Um, a schoolhouse? Well, That's not creepy, it's a schoolhouse. They were attacked by That's a gorilla. That's very scary to me. <laughs> they were attacked by a gorilla. <laughs> yeah, he it wasn't, wasn't a gorilla! He the gorilla wasn't, wasn't in the house. There was shenanigans. <laughs> no daughter. Ah, uh, was the gorilla. Ah, <laughs> uh, was the gorilla. Alright, but they get in the house, and in the house they find a big barrel of turtles. And Nick, also in the house... What the fuck is your deal with these turtles? You've been, like, being a coy little asshole about okay. them this whole time. Okay, these stupid little turtles... Hey, they're trying their best. Okay, fine. Well... They're we all can... gonna get eaten by Auntie Whispers, if that makes you feel any better. It does. We... No, it makes me, it makes me more angry. No, because... We see these turtles over and over again. Like, they throw these things in at every opportunity they can. Yeah. And they never explain them in the slightest. Dude, they're just turtles. Oh, no, they're not. Because Patrick McHale, in an interview, has said, like, 
oh yeah, the turtles are something, but we're not, we don't want to put any explanation for what it is in there. Because we feel like it's like an imperfect stitch, I guess. Like, every story has something like, that's never explained. The turtles, the turtles are kind of an indication of which characters are good and which characters, like, aren't. Like, the characters that are good are seen either hurting the turtles or throwing them away from themselves. Uh, yeah. Well, how many the characters have themselves. handled the turtles, though? But Only like, a few. The turtles the themselves are, aren't anything. They're just turtles. It's no, like, they're not. Cause that's like, literally it. They're just turtles. No, because the dog eats a turtle and he turns into a big demon with the if, same what if beast he eyes. Into yeah, the turtle didn't do that. The, yeah, yeah it, it totally did that. No, it didn't. First Wait, of all, what? it got huge. Second of all, it was black because it was covered in oil and it had the beast's eyes. It had the same eyes as the beast. Yeah, the turtle didn't do that. The, the dog just grew up all big and, and evil and shit after eating the turtle Right around the same time, it ate Edelwood oil, which no. is actually what no. did that. No, 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 as no. soon as yeah. the turtle is yeah, expunged, yeah, yeah. no, as soon as yes. the, sorry, as soon as the turtle's expunged from his, uh, system, he's not a big boy anymore, he's a small boy, it's the turtle that did it. Yeah, and he throws up the oil he ate, too. No. Maybe the turtles are just magic. The turtles, the turtles are, are the magic, turtles they're are... just turtles. No, they, no. there's anti be. The turtles are definitely magic, and they're definitely connected to the beast in some way. I think they're just turtles. I thought this whole time they were just a, a red herring. We get no, dude. It's the turtle that did the dog. I don't think so. It is definitely. It's the turtle. I'm telling you, man. It's yeah, the turtle. I'm sorry, man. No, uh, it's not. All right. It's the oil. But it McTotally is. What oil? There wasn't any. <laughs> the Edelwood oil, my guy. Was it on no. the tree? Yes. The dog ate some oil. Gavin, I'm telling you, these turtles are evil. I don't think they are. I think they were just a, rare, a red well, herring, like and you dog, were supposed to think the they were important. The dog can't eat the... Like, if the dog eating it turns into a beast, but Auntie Whispers eating it doesn't do anything to her. He, exactly. Patrick McHale has also mentioned that. He says that um, Auntie Whispers acts as a sort of evil eater. She she takes the evils... Or she takes the turtles into herself, and she eats them so that they can't corrupt anything else. Okay. Word of God! Ha! And it and it screws sorry. and it screws her up. I'm sorry. It screws her up and it kind of mutates her. Oh, that's but... why she's weird and, Ad- and Adelaide is not. But it doesn't. It doesn't like turn her evil because. I mean, Adelaide she... is weird, but she doesn't look that weird. She's yeah. doing it to keep them away from other exactly. Things. And she knows how to. And that's something that that we see that she does a lot, where she will kind of take the evil stuff like into her, and she'll kind of surround herself with it so it can't hurt anybody else. That's kind of theme with her, like Lorna. Exactly. Speaking we'll of, and her sister. Hey, if you had this this giant like end all be all argument of like to really definitify this shit, then why did you let this whole fucking argument go on? Because <laughs> I wanted to see you. I wanted to see you. You build yourself up so I can make you fall. <laughs> You're a dick. <laughs> These turtles are dicks because they never get explained. Hey, what's up? I'm Gavin. Unlike Nick, I've never listened to literally everything my boy Pat McHale has ever said in his life, so I don't fucking know, alright? I just watched the show, and that's what I thought from it, because the turtles didn't do anything to her, so I'm like, oh, I guess they just don't actually do anything. I saw the dog barfed up some oil, too, and I'm like, ah, it was probably the oil that did it, not the turtles. Mm -hmm. I figured that was spit. Also, like, anti-whispers, like, her Black mouth. as fuck. I don't know. Well, also, Annie Whispers' mouth is all, like, 
them decay in black. And I yeah, yeah she the, gotta see a dentist. Because the turtles are black. It's it's just, you know how you drink coffee and then your teeth are a little bit yellow? It's like that. It's just mouth staining. I feel like they imply that the, turtles, the turtles have something to do with the oil. Because her mouth is all black and oily. Maybe I mean, because the beast is evil and the oil has something to do with the beast. That yeah. and the dog's eyes match the beast's eyes. Exactly. But no, that's, just, that, that's what I hate about the turtles so much. And it's like... They, they're this big mystery that's gets built up and foreshadowed, but it never comes to anything. And Patrick McHale has said, like, I, I kind of want to keep the turtles as a mystery, because it's like every good story has something that never gets explained, and like, I get that, but I really want to know what these turtles are about! You know what bothers me? What? It's that the Beast constantly talks about building up his dark forest, but his entire being, uh, his, his entire shtick constantly leads him to cut down whatever progress well, he may and, make and at building up this dark forest. My theory is that the beast embodies kind of negative emotion, grief, and fear, and sadness, and I think the only way to die in the unknown is through grief or fear or sadness. Mm. Or if the woods Or giving up, you know, that kind of thing. Oh. I think that the so or I if think you that get the beast shot <laughs> or trampled. I think that the maybe beast if you just, drown. maybe. But I think that the beast just thrives on that. And by building his dark forest, he doesn't necessarily mean that he wants like more Adelwood trees to be there forever. I think that just by making people miserable, he creates these Adelwood trees, which is just a manifestation of them giving up and of this misery. And grinding the oil and putting it into his lantern is what keeps him going. And yeah. spoiler alert, hopefully you watch the thing. You might want to put that in yeah, the end. Yeah, watch it. I don't know. Should we, like, Or we could leave we it where it is because these people have fucking watched the show by the, now. This would tie in really well with what I've got to say later. Um, once we get to the last episode, I've got I've got my theory for this one. Which you guys uh, know all about if you, if you fucking watch the show. I've, I've gotten a little bit revved up right now. Um... You heckers, you little, you little frickers, you rap scallions, you yeah. watch this dirt show, you, you... You dang baskets. You dang tur- turglers. So in this house, uh, they run into the person who lives there, whose name is Lorna, and she warns them that What are you doing in my house? We're here to burgle your turks! <laughs> no, we're not! No, we're not! Now, War actually lets up, like, fucking a little bit here. Like, he has this little play fight with Greg, and it's adorable, and he's actually not fucking miserable for once. <laughs> well, no, the play fight was because he wanted to, to, to like, like... Make like, him Gre- shut up! Greg said something, and Wirt's, and Wirt's, like, kind of response to that is, maybe if maybe if I defeat him in wrestling, like, they won't believe him. Like, <laughs> maybe then I'll be right. Maybe if I defeat him on the fields of combat... <laughs> I will destroy his point by destroying his body. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking wart the goddamn... Ah, fuck. Like, after he gets Greg to tap out, he's like, Haha, yes, see? <laughs> see, I'm right. I was what? able to pin my little brother to the ground. What's the, wor- that. What's the <laughs> word I'm thinking of? <laughs> what? Star Trek, the Star Trek race. Like, Worf. Uh, Klingons? Yeah, Klingons. <laughs> Wart and Greg are Klingons. What? <laughs> what do you mean, what? You watch Star Trek? I know, but why? Klingons, they like... To... No, I know, but just... They like to fight. Out of context, that sentence makes no sense. I don't know. Welcome to the Star Trek fan cast. <laughs> um, so, next, uh, Lorna's just like, okay, but please hide in the turtles because Auntie Whispers is coming, so they're like, oh shit, yeah. And then this big scary witch walks in. Auntie Lorna. Uh, she's a big nope. witch and she's very scary. <laughs> Auntie Lorna. 
the, 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 oh god, I wish I could do the Seinfeld riff with my mouth. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so Annie Whispers walks in, and Annie Whispers is just real creepy. She can smell children. Hello, Wait, child. now hold on. <laughs> Has anyone come to visit today? Has anyone come to visit today? Nay, Lord? not a soul. Oh, that was good. Thanks. <laughs> uh, Lorna uh, is like super cagey, like... <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. No, no one's it's here. all okay, Mum. And and uh, big old John Cleese is like, uh... <laughs> yeah, no. Annie Whispers and also Adelaide are both are, are both voiced by uh, John Cleese because they're sisters. Exactly. Also, something I want to talk about that later. And the episode. Yeah. Well, uh, no. So uh, John Cleese walks in and she's like, "Oh, I know there's kids here. Don't lie to me, Lorna." What is this devolved into? <laughs> the ringing of the bell commands it. <laughs> the ringing of the bell command. Nope, we're done there. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? You're in your own damn world right now. <laughs> we're, we're done devolving that voice. It's slowly going towards something that I don't like. <laughs> the ringing of the bell commands it. So, yeah, and it whispers, rings this bell, and Lorna just completely goes all white in the eyes, and she does exactly what she says. Then, creepy as hell. Yeah, but, and then Annie Whispers goes over to the barrel and she just looks in and it's like, oh, I get it. When, it's the turtles. You, it's the turtles. That's dumb. Annie Whispers, come on, you're not that dumb. Well, actually. Well, actually. Yeah, Annie well, Whispers. she said is, it was the turtles that smelled so ripe right. or something. Yeah, that was it. Does and that, she eats one. Yeah, then she just slurps one down. Spits out the shell. It was really. And walks upstairs. And gross. as she's walking upstairs, she pauses and says, "You know, we have. I have to do this to you, Lorna, for your illness." And Lorna's just like, "Oh yeah, Santy whispers." But it's like kind of creepy. Very Gives her creepy. another task to do. Uh, wait, no, real quick. I do want to say that after she eats one of the turtles, before before that, like her her pupils were all weird and like almost falling apart. A little nap time. And then within, like, two seconds, she's asleep and snoring. She needs her beauty sleep. I mean... She really needs her beauty sleep. <laughs> hey! I'm sorry, that was... No. Uh, no, it's objective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, Lorna calls him out and explains her whole tale of woe. How Auntie Whispers never lets her do anything other than work. The um, work never ends. The work never ends. Her idleness will lead her to wickedness. Mm-hmm. And which... so Wart and Greg devise, or mostly Wart, devises a plan in which they help uh, Lorna finish the task faster than expected and sneak away while she is has finished with the task and Auntie Whispers is still asleep. Basically, Wart pokes a bunch of holes in Lorna's entire life, which is, uh, you know, Auntie Whispers is not even a real aunt. She keeps her here. Like, Wart thinks she needs a doctor. Like, it's, it's fucked up in Wart's eyes. And also, he doesn't have all the info. Mm-hmm. Which goes into playing to this idea that Auntie Whispers is this backwards kind of like, uh... And I will say this is just off the heels of Adelaide, too, that we've yeah, seen. Yeah, already that's had a really good point. We don't trust the old magical ladies. Yep. And we think that she's this backwards lady who's just afraid of any kind of anything and believes that that will lead to wickedness. Well, that, or you think she is they're, they're also keeping wearing, a child slave. Her and Lorna are also wearing, like, Puritan outfits. Exactly. Oh. Exactly, that's it. So you think it's some kind of crazy, oppressive stuff like that. I mean, you just think that Adelaide wanted a child slave, and mm-hmm. Auntie Whispers has a child slave. Right. Exactly. But, 
Annie whispers, comes down, and it's like, whoa, what are you doing? Well, I guess well, first, yeah, first, Laura, what happens? Well, uh, they have a nice little cleaning montage with a very sweet song because there's some romantic tension between Lorna and Wirt, which Wirt. seems rushed, but, you know, they're Wirt teenagers. It's just fucking horny as shit for, for Lorna. Damn. Honestly, I feel like he's misinterpreting Lorna's signals. Maybe. Or Lorna's playing it up for the reason that we will explain next. I don't know. Or they're teenagers. So, while they're doing that, Greg follows the frog who at this point... What's his name? Uh, this is know. the phase where it changes from George Washington to Benjamin Franklin. It's not Benjamin Franklin No, it's Franklin not Benjamin anymore. Franklin right now. I feel like it's like... Dr. A- Cucumber! That's it. It follows, is briefly Dr. Cucumber. He follows Dr. Cucumber... That's correct. ...upstairs, uh, and they end up waking up Auntie Whispers, who comes downstairs, tries to get her... Or tries to get Lorna to get away from them... Reaches for the bell, but she doesn't have it. Uh, yeah, so they hide in a closet. Oh, at this point, it is Greg Jr., though. Before, very briefly, it was Dr. Cucumber, but now it is Greg Jr. And he is has eaten the bell. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's shown later. Slurp it. But nobody fucking knows that, except for uh, Greg and, I suppose, Greg Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> suppose. Um, but then they hide in the closet, and you think, like, oh, they're safe for right now. No, they're not. <laughs> Annie Whispers comes up to the door and is like, No, children, she will eat you. You have made her... No, 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 no. She she doesn't say she will eat you. She goes, Get away from my Lorna or else you will be devoured. Which only makes them more and more fucking terrified. Come on. I will say, Auntie Whispers seems to use active voice a little bit more. Yeah. She keeps saying everything in the passive. It makes it really confusing, hard to understand. Yeah. But then... What's that behind you? It's fucking horrible. It's Lorna. It's a spooky, scary. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, it's a banshee. <laughs> Lorna has oh. turned into a scary skeleton type thing about to eat She's their a banshee. faces. She's a banshee. Ghoul. Is that like? Well, she thing? looks kind of like a banshee. In my banshee opinion, ghoul. She doesn't do any screaming. She's like a girl, evil spirit ghost. Yeah. Oh. For some reason, I thought the big lady was the people eater. It just goes to show you things about stuff. Now I got a plan that's gonna get us out of there. Hard cuts the window. They jump through the window. And that run. works too. Hard cut of them cannonballing through the window. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Jump out, run away. Hide in the river. Doesn't work. But where, then, where are you hiding? In the water. But, sure, I guess. But then Greg shakes Greg Jr. And Wait, real quick, I do want to bring up the point when, when Lorna's coming out of the window and it's the most terrifying shot in the entire series. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. It only gets more and more fucking creepy and nightmarish from here. It's awesome. Greg shakes the frog, whose belly is now glowing, showing that the frog did in fact eat the bell. So, work takes the frog... Shakes it, tells the spirit to leave Lorna. He shakes that fucker like it owes him money. (laughs) Tells the spirit to leave Lorna alone and go away. And it does. And it makes you wonder, why didn't Auntie Whispers do that a long time ago? I have a great theory about that. I feel like they just never thought to. I guess so. I have a great theory about that. Well, Well, Gavin. Spit it out. Alright, so, Wart is just going around and solving all these problems for people occasionally, and he doesn't really do much, because Wart isn't that bright, you know? But yeah. Wart does have, by the way, spoilers, but you should have watched the goddamn show by now, so fuck you! Anyways, Wart does have the advantage over everybody else in that he's not from here, he's not from the unknown, oh. so he's not in limbo, constantly 
repeating his actions, forever repeating the same shit, forever stuck in the same circumstances, because he's not from there. So even though the situations seem, you know, simple and the, the answer seems obvious, they are just simply destined not to figure it out. That makes fucking sense. That's nice. how I always thought, anyways. So, like, he, he solves Lorna's whole conundrum so simply, but that's because, you know... Is that a good theory? Did I have a good theory? That's a good theory! Excellent. Mine's gonna be yes. better, though. <laughs> <laughs> so, Annie Whispers comes out, and she's like, Oh, no, you have to leave me. And and, Annie, and Lorna's like, Oh, no, I'd never leave you, Auntie. Yeah, and you see that Lorna and Auntie, like, actually genuinely loved each other when the spirit wasn't making Lorna, like, say and do things that she yeah. didn't mean. Well, I feel like it's kind of implied that what Annie Whispers found Lorna like after she had been possessed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She definitely. No, she definitely like... did. Yeah. Annie oh, right. Whispers was taking care of Lorna because Lorna is possessed by that spirit. Probably it or parents. But I was well. just saying, like Lorna saying that she doesn't like Annie Whispers was her leading Wirt and Greg on, and that was the spirit doing that. Well, I feel she never said she didn't like Annie Whispers. I think she definitely. I think she it's implied. implies it, it. Yeah, it could be implied that the spirit was like. Hey, we're getting out of here. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely influencing her. And then Annie whispers, warns them about her sister Adelaide, which... You're an episode too late. <laughs> kind of a moot point here. Nice job, lady. But I think it's just kind of to remind I her. think it's honestly a great moment, though, because it's like, well, that would have been nice to know. Yeah, and it kind of reminds Word about what's going on with Beatrice. And also, it, it, it leads in so that I can talk about uh, another thing that Patrick McHale decided to leave out. He's mentioned that he has an entire backstory for Annie Whisper's Adelaide and a third sister that we never see. Ugh. And he just says that, you know what? I'm never going to tell anybody. No! That's what he's... Like, that is legitimately what he has said. Like, it was in the art book. He said I, have, I have that, but I haven't read it yet. I'm just never going to tell anybody. It's mine. Like, keep it's mine. It's my secret. Why do they do... Why do Write it on my grave, fools. <laughs> Guys, we have to kill Patrick McHale to get his secrets. <laughs> Right before the credits, we get some amazing, amazing woodsman and beast interactions. Basically, it was the beast like, what the fuck, bro? <laughs> that almost cost us everything, that little stunt that you pulled back there, because the woodsman is really frantically trying to war war and Greg about the beast. And then... The woodsman delivers one of those most metal lines in the whole series. Children's lives cannot be traded like tokens! Hot, hot diggity shit. It was awesome. But the beast is like, no, friendo, listen, I have our best interests at heart. You need to keep that fucking lantern lit to keep your daughter alive. And I want to grow my dark forest. And then the beast just runs off singing opera as he is wont to do because he's a metal-ass motherfucker and I love him. Then roll credits. Babes in the wood. Episode 8, we got fish fishing. Depressing boat ride. I don't, I don't know, we don't have the fish fishing here, do we? Yeah, the fish is fishing. Yeah, okay. that starts. Yeah, fish fishing. All right. That's why I wrote it here, the fish fishing. Okay. Yeah, but <laughs> it's they're... It's great, it's so good. They're riding in an outhouse and using a guitar as a as a paddle, and I really want to know the story behind that one. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> how did you... How How did... How did... They robbed the, the schoolhouse again. <laughs> <laughs> they backtracked, got the outhouse and the instruments from the schoolhouse. Outhouse acquired. <laughs> dum 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 dum. <laughs> now, now, okay. 
here I got some good shit to give, right? Ward's fucking given up. Like, the beast is singing in the background. Ward knows that it's foreboding and that Doom is on the next, you know, the next turn. And, and Ward's just fucking given up. And Greg is just being, you know, Greg, he's, but he's turned it up a notch. Like, Greg has certainly turned it up a notch from his, his normal goofballerisms. It's because War is super, super just fucking down, and Greg knows this. Like, he's not, like, he's oblivious, but he's not stupid. Like, he knows this. And he's, he's trying his damnedest to cheer, uh, War up at this point. And he's, he's really just cranked it up to 11. They get to shore. Uh, he sounds the, the shore trumpet, and Greg's attempts to cheer Ward up are really not just, they're not sitting well with War, and he, he finally just goes off on Greg and then gives up once and for all. Lays down under a tree to sleep. Before he does that, uh, Wirt... Blames it all on Greg for no. the ninth time. I don't know if he blames it all on Greg. He did. Okay, he, he blames it on Greg. But then Wirt also just says, like, yeah, sure, you can be the leader or whatever, and he goes to sleep. And Greg, trying to figure out how best to be a good leader... Uh, looks up at the night sky and wishes upon a star with his Greg prayer uh, that he can he can be pointed how to be the best kind of a leader that yeah he wants to be. But if the star doesn't, he doesn't care. He'll pull down its underwear. Greg is such a which again this is a Halloween show. <laughs> ah, ah, <laughs> ah. Nice, I love it. Trick or treat, smell like me, give me something. Yeah, so after Greg makes this wish on the star, he like get this song starts singing, and these angels descend from the heavens to lift Greg up and bring him to their cloud kingdom in the sky. Really creepy angels. Well, by angels, we mean they're cherubs. They're baby heads with wings. Yeah, weird, but also endearing. I mean, all angel babies are really fucking creepy once you once you get down right down to it. When angel ba- when when angels are born, they actually just come out as a head with wings, and that's what they are. They then grow the body later. This Nick. is fact. This is fact. Source question mark. <laughs> Source us reliable bitch, and I'll fight anyone who says it isn't. Put that in your MLA sources. Take that one to the bank. He gets a ride to Cloud City on a very cute donkey-pulled bed carriage. It's adorable. And then it turns into, like, a really old rubber hose cartoon. I love the aesthetic of it. Basically, it's it's kind of Greg land. Yeah, this is, like, Greg's aesthetic boiled down into... Everything. What? Greg's in charge now. What? Fucking absolute chaos, but also fun shit? Yeah, fun, adorable, friendly chaos. Except for the one. Except for the one random pug with the rain cloud above his head. I would never say, did. like, when later when we see uh, somebody else that Greg knows, the old woman, she, like, that pug kind of looks like her. Does she? What, what pug? I, I thought so. The creepy-ass dog that has a rain cloud over it yeah. that comes out of nowhere. Oh, I wonder if that's because Greg is upset because he stole the rock from her. Maybe. Oh. Maybe that's like... like oh, same, that old lady. It had the same... They had the same nose. What's that old lady's name? Uh, old Lady Daniels. Yeah. yeah, that's it. To be fair, a lot of characters have the same nose. So there's a cute montage of Greg going around Cloud City, meet, uh, leading a parade. As he's being welcomed by the welcome committees. And the auxiliary welcome committee. And committee number three. And ball. <laughs> and rain cloud horror dog. Who was he say? Well, that's enough. He goes, is there any more? Ball. Uh, well, that's enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, he and the citizens are all having a nice time until he accidentally opens a door. A gate, if you will. And then we get the old North Wind. Yeah, the old North Wind's house and he sings a song and marches out and starts blowing on everybody and causing chaos. And It's a fucking bop. It's great. And we flash back to uh, Wirt and Greg's real bodies because this is a dream sequence. And the wind is like blowing really cold on them and they're shivering. Yeah, so back in, in real life land, you know, the snow's starting to fall, it's getting colder, it's, it's, shit's getting bad back in real Wait, life land. hold on. In Greg's dream, yeah. he's getting cold, because in the unknown, the wind is blowing more and he's getting cold. Yes. But the reason that the unknown is getting cold is because of something we find out later. Yeah, something that these guys already know. Because they watch the show. Of course, because they watch the show and they're good, fantastic people, and I love them. Because right. they're basically close to death in the real world. Yeah, but they're so, dying of hypothermia in a lake so, that they fell so, into. So, yep. so oh, Greg really? is getting colder in the dream. A ditch, more of. Greg is getting colder in the dream because he's getting colder in the unknown. And he's getting colder in the unknown because he's getting colder in the lake. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's potatoes <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> I just wanted to, to clear up that Inception. So when awesome. you almost die in the real world, you go to the unknown. But what happens when you almost die in the unknown? <laughs> you go to 1920s cartoon heaven. Exactly. Damn. I'd like to point out that the North Wind doesn't, like, cause really any harm. I mean, he's just kind of asserting himself. He's and... being an asshole. He's being an asshole, but he's there's no, like, bodily no. harm threatened. Because I feel like whatever... No, the bodily harm comes from when Greg kicks his ass. <laughs> yeah, Greg kicks his ass and he and the North Wind gets bodily harmed. But I just feel like whatever place... <laughs> bodily comes... harmed? What? What? Bodily harmed because he puts him in a bottle. <laughs> oh, bodily hey. harmed. Hey. These are the jokes. <laughs> but it's just, it's just whatever place Cloud City is, it just seems very safe. And even the danger that is there isn't really danger, and he's able to take care of it very easily. Yeah, that's Greg. That's Greg's world. Yeah. And then the goddess descends. I love her so much. Yeah, we get like a big queen of Cloud City, which is also another word for Lando Calrissian. The queen of Cloud City. Okay. <laughs> he's fabulous. He's fabulous. We all just stared at him. Cloud City, like the Star Wars place. Oh. And Lando's in charge of Cloud City. And he's fabulous. Isn't he like, Funny that you men- Isn't he like a traitor? Yeah. Funny that you mention that, because there's an interpretation of this scene, of this episode that goes around, that as Greg's dream is induced by the Beast, and it's a trick, because the Beast knows that Greg isn't going to give up, but he also knows that Greg isn't going to leave without his brother. No! So he lets Greg solve an easy problem, and then tells Greg he can leave, because he knows Greg will just say, no, but what about my brother, and trade himself for Wart, which, who is already giving up. Which Greg does at the end of this episode, as soon as he gets out of the dream after no! refusing the goddess's offer. Tell no! him the tell him the 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 fuel on the fire, so to speak. I've seen like people that have this interpretation. One of the main things that they say is that nobody calls Greg Gregory except for the beast and no! and the goddess. No. Oh! Okay. No. My interpretation of and the. the- Beast was standing not, over them like, at the end. No, yes, hold on. the beast was standing there waiting at the end. Like the beast already knew this was happening. No, my but my inter- I don't know if that's exactly my interpretation, but I've seen that one as an alternate thing that people like kick around. My interpretation is that she's kind of like the antithesis of the beast. Like she's in charge of this realm where the innocents who get lost in the unknown 
can go to basically heaven because they're innocent children, but he more or less sold his soul in exchange for works is my interpretation of that. Because and Wirt I also does, Wirt does wake up as soon as Greg leaves with yeah. the beast. Yeah, so there was some actual power in that deal that Greg made. I will say that as soon as the wish was made, the actual star in the sky did twinkle, which makes me feel like it's not the beast's doing. And also, I really like the queen cloud lady, and I really don't want her to be the beast. So, I really like the idea that it was the beast. I hate it. It's so dark and delicious, <laughs> and I really like it. I don't think... I don't really buy that neutral. theory, I but like that's a grade A theory. I like bur- both interpretations, so I'm kind of like on the fence on them constantly. But... I think that Greg was about to get out of the unknown, because, I mean, how do they get out of the unknown at the very end? Like, there's there's no specific place that they go to, they yeah, just no. fucking conquer it. Like, they're not giving in, and it's definitive. I feel like at that moment... Greg was not giving in, and it's definitive. So, Greg, you can you can leave if you want. That's fine, but work cannot. You know what? There's probably got to be some kind of obstacle you got to get over to get out of the unknown. And Greg's was very simplistic. But it was, I mean, it was an obstacle for him, wasn't it? Yeah. Again, I I just like the idea of having a place for the innocent children who don't deserve like eternal limbo to live. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes you know. Sometimes yeah. it's just it's it's not all potatoes and molasses. Well, um the queen did say that um that she would send Greg home. Yeah. There's a lot of interpretations for it. It's lovely. I like I like it a lot. But I think we need to get on to the next episode. Uh yeah. So yeah, oh, Greg on, goes I don't want this episode yet. Okay. Greg makes that deal, he whispers the deal into the the lady's ear, and she goes, are you sure? And then Greg's like, yeah, and basically the deal was Greg is going to trade places with Wart. Although not explicitly, because Wart is not sent home immediately. Yeah, but... but... maybe it's because he was already lost, she just was able to get him a little less lost. Yeah. Wart wakes up almost immediately, pulls that, that shit, all the, the fucking branches of off of him. Wood are, are already growing on him. Oh, which yeah. is horrifying. Which he didn't even seem to notice. But, like... Well, he noticed once he was leaving. Greg <laughs> says to up. him, I'm gonna go now, Wart. Bye. And he goes, I'm sorry I messed it all up, because Wart told him he was to screw up so much that Greg started to believe it. <sighs> And then he goes off with the beast to fix his mistake, and then Wart just doesn't even care for a little bit until Greg's already gone. And then he gets up and realizes, oh my god, what the fuck have I done? Mm-hmm. Then he runs off to find him and falls into a lake. Again, how deep does it fucking go? Uh, it's fucking winter, it's getting cold. <laughs> Beatrice and the fish find him and fish him out, but he passes out. Well, here's something else I noticed. Um, he falls into the water, and we don't see how long he's under there. But when he gets pulled out, he doesn't, like, cough or anything, or doesn't cough up any water. So, like, it, and his and his problem is the cold. It isn't that he was drowning. So I feel like that's another hint that um, that he really can't drown in this world because he's, he's already drowning in real life. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Then it's the end of the episode. Oh, hey, Nick. I was wondering, um, you said in the last episode that there were three characters who, um, come wayward souls are associated with. Uh, you said Enoch, and obviously the Beast was the other one. Oh, yeah, the other is, um, 
it's... I think it's also Adelaide. I think that during her theme song, I think at some point, come Wayward Souls comes into her, uh, her theme. I'm wondering why Enoch has it as well. I'm wondering... Because hmm. he's a bitch. No, he's not. <laughs> the way I was picturing it, the beasts, Enoch and Queen of the Clouds were like three different kind of like afterlife deity type things. Yeah. Is what I was imagining. I was wondering if maybe it played with anybody who's made a deal with the beast, but that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense because I don't know why making a deal with the beast would let Enoch raise the dead. I don't think Enoch is related. No, it was just... Like, like, maybe that's just kind of like a song that everybody in that world associates with death, because they know it has to do with the beast. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It, it, it's like, I kind of feel like it'd be like, again, taking my thing, like, my inter- interpretation of the Queen of the Clouds, it's like, she's the happy innocents who have died. Enoch is in charge of the regular happy people who have died, and Beast is in charge of the hopeless people who have died. People who gave up, yeah. So now we get into episode 9, which is Into the Unknown, I think? Mm -hmm. Also known as the biggest fucking plot twist ever. How the fuck did we get here in the first place? Well, I'm gonna tell ya. We're just a couple of 80s kids, what? It turns out it's in relatively modern times. We see Wirt in his room, just kind of milling about. Battle space pillow. Pillage is battle space. <laughs> it's, it's so he also has a poster that says the Black Turtles. <gasps> Does he? Yes, Patrick McHale, you asshole. Hot uh, this shit. What does it all mean? Patrick McHale says, I don't know. <laughs> no, I know. I'm just not telling you. Uh, yeah, he's he decides that he's gonna make a tape for Sarah. After like being all dramatic and like taking it out and throwing it against the wall, but then he's like. No, I am going to show it to her. And then he makes a Halloween costume that's pretty good. He, he just no. shits together a Halloween costume. It's not anything in particular, and nobody what, what asks, so kinda, it works out well. What, is he some kind of gnome or something? I guess. I guess so. I hope. He pulls it out of the... He just pulls it out of out of a box, and he's like, Yes. Yes! He, he cuts the uh, white parts off of a Santa Claus hat. Pointy Santa Claus hat, but okay. For some reason. I feel like he starched it. They make the, spray starch. The okay. unknown uh, is the nightmare, and Warren is the Christmas. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so so work goes out to... Uh, the football game. To the football game. Greg finishes up with Old Lady Daniels. Um, so that he could get some Halloween candy, because Old Lady Daniels didn't want to give him any. He had to work for it. Yeah, Old work Lady for Daniels it. says nothing in this world is free. Yeah, thanks Old Lady Daniels for taking up all of Greg's valuable trick-or-treat time. But he also gets a rock from her garden, so uh, yeah, that was nice of her. Bong, bong. That's a rock from... He stole it. Yeah, he stole it. Oh, fuck you. Yeah, he bad. stole it. Thanks for, for rendering my foreshadowing bells moot, guys. Well, not now he feels bad. Right now he feels like a million fucking bucks. He has a, himself a brand new shiny rock that he painted really fast. No, 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 it was no, already no. like it was that. already painted. Yes, yeah, he oh, already really? painted it, yeah. Oh, that makes more sense. And that's a rock fact. And his pants are full of candy. Yeah. Greg wants to look for frogs with Wart, which is the noblest of pursuits, and I honestly <laughs> am very confused as to why Wart turned him down. He's looking the for fuck. the last frog of autumn. The last frog of the season! The one you frog just want to worry about girl 
frogs. The one frog that got left behind when all the other frogs gathered to get on their little steamboat and go hibernate together. Aww. I love frogs. Yeah, um, but no, Wirt's just really, really into this mascot bee. Just way Sarah. too, way too, I mean, he's just really, really interested in this bee. Can yeah, you so... stop wording it like that, please? <laughs> Okay, okay. He has some interactions with some gals, and basically you, you scrap together that Ward's crush is on this girl who's wearing the mascot costume, and yada, 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 her name's Sarah. That's Sarah. Man, she's a lot more of a bee than I was expecting. Everybody, drop your shit. Like, lean in close. This right here is the biggest plot twist of the series. We finally know what the fuck is up with Greg's costume. He's an elephant. He's an elephant. It's an elephant costume. Look, there's his trunk. The teapot's the trunk. It's so so good. It's so fantastic, and it's so Greg. It's It's so Greg. It's amazing, and I love it, and I love Greg. It's exactly like what a four-year-old would dress up, given his druthers. I fucking love it. Also, I love the girl who's just dressed up as a big egg. Uh, she's an egg. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they take the tape from Greg because Greg gives it to him. War is super uncomfortable about this. Yeah, he, and, he just he decides he doesn't want Sarah to hear his tape after all because he learns that dun 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 Jason Thunderburger is good. gonna make his move and he's got his act together. So once he once Jason's got to Sarah, War's got no chance. They're just gonna listen to that tape together after they're already dating and they're gonna laugh and laugh and laugh and they have to fucking get that tape back. So they go and try and steal it from her jacket. Some guy with a broken foot uh, chases him off. Does he have a broken foot? Yeah, yeah he's I got a cast. I didn't notice that. Yeah, wow. he does. He's a big football jock, but he's sitting on the sidelines because his foot's broke, which is why he notices uh, Wart trying to steal some shit from and the jacket. And you think, oh man, this must be Jason. He's waiting around for Sarah until another girl comes and calls him by a different name. Yeah, so you're like, oh man, Jason must be one of his football bros. <laughs> he must be one of his football bros, pals, chaps. So anyways, we fucking get football on with chaps. it. Football chaps. <laughs> we get Let on with it. Let's play some football. So anyways, we get onto it. Uh, jump cut to some kids dressed up for Halloween, pa- passing by a, a police car. <laughs> My favorite characters in this episode. <laughs> hey, you kids. You robbers are under arrest. Just kidding. Happy Halloween. <laughs> and they do it These again guys are two great. seconds later. Hey, Where you kids, Greg? stop running in the streets. Just kidding. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> These guys. Hey, you kids. Just, just kidding, happy Halloween. It's so great. <laughs> Ward gets really upset about the tape and that Greg took it, and he blames it all on Greg, as he's wont to do, because he's a jerk and can't take responsibility for his own actions and problems. So, Greg decides to do something very noble and very sacrificial. He puts the frog hunt on hold to go get that tape back. I'm gonna salute <laughs> you, boy. You go out there and do your duty. So they go to the party that Sarah's going to. But they have to break in. Because they're not invited. Well, then they go in and everyone's like, oh, hey. <laughs> it's like... It's just walking nobody gives a shit. Hey, nothing was wrong and everyone seems pleased to see where and he was anxious for nothing, which is a mood. It, like, Greg, Greg walks in because Wart wasn't invited, so Greg just walks in even though he wasn't invited either, and he uh, just asserts himself because he's a charismatic god. 
Well, I think it's implied like it wasn't really an invite party because everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we're, we're wondering if you were going to show up." And yeah. also, nobody gives a shit. It's fine. Nobody cares. They seem happy party. to see him. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's like so worked up, and everybody's just like, "Oh hey, we're like nobody actually has the ill will towards him that he imagines they do." But honestly, like that's relatable. That's relatable, but I'm also it's also nice to see like a high school dynamic where like someone's not being a dick to uh, to the nerd kid. Yeah. That's yeah. what I really liked. Like these people like seemed like they were like the classic. Well, like where like, it has all this like social anxiety, but when he gets there, like it's kind of nice to see for once like somebody have this social anxiety and then they get there and it's kind of all fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. like everybody seems to like him just fine. Yeah, yeah. Party gets a little stale, so uh, you know Sarah and a couple of her friends and uh, <clears throat> Jason Funderburger <laughs> are uh, you know opting to to go to the graveyard and tell scary stories and drink drinks. Age-appropriate. Age-appropriate drinks. Legal drinks. Like, like juice? Really? Like juice and stuff? Yeah, like juice. Like you know, age-appropriate stuff. Just just a bunch of, you know, age-appropriate stuff. That's totally not illegal. I have absolutely no idea what to make of that scene. Because <laughs> the friends... says it so unnaturally. Those, that group of kids, they are the nerds. They're the nerds. And I'm like, are is she just saying it weird? Or are they bringing alcohol? Because no one acts drunk or anything. And I think they just don't know how to say... They- we're not going to drink alcohol without no, being weird and nerdy about they it. They do bring juice. Like, you do see a uh, oh, yeah. juice. Yeah. They were legit, but it's just funny. So the cult's sitting around drinking their age-appropriate drinks. Uh, War is creepily spying on them from the shadows right above Quincy Endercott's tombstone. Yo, what? <laughs> yeah, no, you, there's there's a tomb, and it has the name Quincy Endercott uh, right on it. You can fucking go back, look at that shit. It's there. I mean, you guys all saw it because you watched the episode. Exactly. Mm. Well, even if you watch the episodes, it takes you a couple of damn tries to... To notice that a beloved... It comes to you... Yeah. Then to notice that one of our beloved characters is five feet under... But it's because the unknown takes part in the the afterlife, the limbo, like, whatever you want to call it. It's the unknown. Not really. Yeah. Really? What the fuck are you talking about? I feel like the lim- I feel like limbo's part of it, but it's a lot of other things, too. Yeah, it's a lot. I said, I said it was limbo, afterlife, what have you, but... Well, it's limbo, I implied there was other things in there. Yeah, but it's also, like, stories that were forgotten. Yeah, there's other shit that's in there, my guy. Alright, got it. We're good. You fuck. Leading off of that... As Ward's talking to these juice-drinking nerds, the police show up, everyone's favorite. They say, what is this, some kind of witches gathering you're all under arrest? Everyone scatters. The police regret their choice of words. And the police are like, no, actually, this is private property. You guys gotta leave. But everybody's running from the fucking wall because they think they're gonna be goddamn arrested. And see, this is why every police officer in the academy is told the story of the little police officer who cried you're under arrest. Because this happened. Two kids jumped off a wall and fell into a, a ditch and well, almost drowned. Yes. Um, Ward and Greg get cornered by the police car and they end up at a wall. So they climb over it. What kind of wall? Well, funny you ask that because the name of the graveyard they're at is called the Eternal Garden. <gasps> They've so gone that would make this wall... The Garden Wall. And which direction by which do they use to regress around it? They dug under it. They climb over it. <laughs> <laughs> the look of disappointment in Gavin's eyes as I said that was exactly what I planned for. I was really sad. <laughs> and unfortunately, on the other side, <laughs> and unfortunately, on the other 
unfortunately, on the other side of that wall is train tracks. A train shows up. Now they should have heard As they are want to do. No, hold on. <laughs> is is it a ghost train? I'm not I'm entirely really sure if the a... train is a ghost train or a real train. Now I think it's just regular. I think it's a regular train. But as they are falling down the hill, we do get one of my favorite songs in the entire series. Which is basically all of them, but... Uh, yeah, but... and we only get it, another one. We only get it for a second, but it's called The Old Black Train of Coming. And the whole thing is just like a song that likens um, death to to a big steam train. And I love it. It's fantastic. Beautiful. Go listen to it. I believe that's like an actual song that they played for that, like, they made a different cover of for the show. I, is it? I need to look that up. I could have sworn. Do it after we record. No, 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 no. Keep it on the recording. Keep it on the recording. Keep talking, but I'm going to look it up. But yeah, so they've uh, jumped off. They've seen this train. They jump off the tracks. I think where it actually tackles Greg off the tracks. And they, uh, they roll down the slope. Hit their heads, presumably. Yeah, hit hit their heads a couple of times and fall into the. Oh, we forgot to mention Greg grabbed the frog. Greg found the frog. Yeah, while they were on the train tracks, Greg found the frog in the bushes. It's the last frog of the season. It's like as big as he is, and it's a lucky frog. Big boy. They yeah. gotta come up with a name for this frog. Then they go rolling down the yeah, hill. Yeah, then the train comes and they go rolling down the hill and hit their heads and fall into the ditch at the bottom of the hill. And presumably blackout due to A, they probably hit their heads a couple times, and B, it's that water's pretty fucking cold. Alright, I, I did look it up. It's not a cover of a song, but it is based on the 1800s gospel song, Little Black Train. Gotcha. Okay. So, but it is an original song because the Blasting Company, who did the soundtrack, who am I love, is fantastic. Ugh. But I can't find any of their of their other stuff, so I have to assume Ghost Band, <laughs> <laughs> Phantom Band. I love you, Blasting Company, wherever you are. How did fucking Pat McHale get? First of all, it's so fitting. But how did Pat McHale get a Ghost Band to do his his sound shit? Because went to Pat- the graveyard with some age appropriate drinks. Said, "Hey, any ghosts want to write a song for me?" And the ghost said, "Yeah." <laughs> no, 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 no. He did the. He- yeah, mate. I love to. One, two, three, four. <laughs> Gosh, it's definitely a ghost band. Also, Patrick McHale is defo a warlock. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> hold on. Warlock. <laughs> hold on, Gavin. The way you word it is that. Let's rock! One, two, three, four. Led through the mist. Led the milk mist. <laughs> By the milk white moon. Oh, it's so good. So, this flashback ends. Wart wakes up with the company of Fuck some... it. First of all, I'm so jealous of Wart right now. Go on. Right? He wakes up in the company of some adorable, fluffy blue birds. I wouldn't just that say that... Me. I didn't just... Same. I wouldn't say that he was just in their company. Well, no. He was in their tree with them. He wakes up. And the mama bluebird's like, yeah, oh, but what what are the birds' general positions? They're like all easy. You're damn like, right, they are. He's, he's like all cuddled in them. It's adorable. He's enveloped. Mama bluebird gives work a spoonful of dirt. And Wart's bluebirds like, don't even eat dirt. That's, That's not that. a thing. <laughs> Listen, the unknown. They, they can what eat whatever. Eat. They, eat? they don't know what to eat. They used to be humans. <laughs> Like, that's it. That's it. That's it. Like they eat dirt, and occasionally they'll get like a worm in there, and they, but they won't know that it's the worm that's keeping them alive. So they'll just keep eating dirt. Well, it's gotten us this far. I have no idea what to do with this weird bird body. Yes, it is the family of Beatrice. Are yes. we going on a bird tangent now? No. No, no, no. Real quick, I will say that seeing how many siblings Beatrice has is really like it's crazy. She's got a ton. Then again. My grandfather did have 21 
siblings. What? What the fuck? My grandfather did have like 20 siblings. Jesus Christ. Fuck, dude. Oh, there it is. So that explains why Beatrice has so many damn siblings. All well, right. Uh, everybody out there, whoever Nick was... Nick is related to Beatrice. Exactly. <laughs> whoever was wondering, like, how does Beatrice have a, so many you know, siblings? It's like, well, you've never met Nick. You know it's what? a thing that can happen. That's that explains answer. that one time you came to school as a bluebird. That was weird. <laughs> yeah. So work goes out in the middle of a snowstorm. It's fucking blizzarding at this point. Mama Bluebird tries to talk him out of it. Like, you're not going to be any help to your brother dead. And then War goes, I was never any help to him alive. Fuck. And then goes out into the storm after him. Which is the first time that Word has said something that's super dramatic, and it's been, like, it's been earned. Like, before War was all like, oh, yes, my it's like, life. stop whining. Yeah, but this time it's, like, a really poignant line. This time it's like, yeah, sorry, but yeah. Character development. I He's know, had right? time to ruminate on his actions. All right, roll credits. We gotta get to this one, because this is objectively the best episode. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's... Warts, warts out. He has a fucking purpose. Well, no, we need to say the name of the episode first. Oh, yeah. The Unknown. Get it down. The unknown. Warts out, and he has a fucking purpose. He's finally taking charge. He's finally moving forward with a goal in mind, and he's going to get Greg back. Uh, but we actually start the episode from Beatrice's perspective. She sees Greg standing with a mysterious figure in the snow. Then she gets blown away. The wind's too fucking strong. But basically, what uh, what are Greg and the Beast? It's the Beast. What what are Greg and the Beast doing? The Beast is trying to give Greg impossible tasks to make him give up, but Greg keeps coming up with solutions to the task. Like, for a spool of silver thread, he's wrapped a spider web around a stick, and for a golden comb, he's picked up a honeycomb. Where and do you find so, Beast in the winter weather? Uh, the Beast is getting frustrated, but decides that he will ask Greg to you do the one thing. You can hear it in his voice. The Beast is, like, fucking... Yeah, he decides to ask... <laughs> Ask Greg to do something that he knows is going to have to make Greg sit down and wait in the cold, and he asks Greg to put the sun into a cup, and Greg says, oh, it's easy, I'll just put the cup here and sit in front of it until the sun sets into it. Except that means that he's sitting in the snow as it gets dark and cold around him. Yeah, I do want to say, the beast just like trying to act all calm, like, oh yes, you're, you're really doing it, Greg. But after he gives him the honeycomb, like, you can tell he's really upset, like, this is a honeycomb. He's like, like you fucking little scamp, just turned into a goddamn tree already. Am I allowed to say one of my favorite over the garden wall memes here? Please do. <laughs> one of my favorite memes from the show. It says, the beast, put the sun into this cup. And Greg goes, oh, you mean like this? And then Greg says, Greg jumps up into the sky and slam dunk sun into cup. The beast, my son. <laughs> Actually, at that point, that sounds like if that were to happen, he wouldn't turn into a tree. He'd just be like, you're my protege now? Let's go fuck things up. You're too powerful. <laughs> you're unmatched power for chaos. <laughs> We will rule this woods together. <laughs> this I'm woods. just, I'm just saying. This whoever woods. made that, you're the best. <laughs> I like the idea that Greg would just keep succeeding, and the, and then the beast would start to lose hope, and he'd turn into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> he'd just lie down in the snow and just turn into a tree. It's a tree, not that drips oil, but that drips molasses. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a potato plant that drips molasses. You know that a lot of people like to like to make an, an alternate universe type creative thing where the beast basically takes over work. They had the wrong boy. Greg's the real one. <laughs> Greg's the real master of the show here. Keep the lantern running with the uh, with my molasses. 
Hey there, friend. I turned stodgy assholes into, into potato trees. <laughs> so Beatrice, like, blows, I think, right into Ward's face. She says she saw Greg, and they gotta go get him now. They have to get Greg now. Like, yesterday now. <laughs> the woodsman is, like, looking around in his cabin, trying to find any wood to keep a lantern going. And he just has nothing. He actually finds, like, the broken stick that he threw away earlier. Uh, but now that's all he has left. He can't even get anything out of that. But he hears the beast singing, and he goes out of his his cabin to, uh... Fuck some shit. To... <laughs> I'm gonna say collect the trees, but okay. He, uh, he, <laughs> nope, he gets his axe and he goes to mm, fuck some I'd shit. I'd say, yeah, he's thoroughly not working with the beast at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, he never really was working for, quote-unquote, the beast. But he was begrudgingly kind of doing it. He was, be- yeah. Yeah, he, was, he was cooperating with him. Wirt and Beatrice are, are looking for Greg. Is this where, where they find him? No. No, you missed the entire woodsman-beast interaction. That's right. Again. That's- hmm. Dang it! They're my two favorite characters in this show, other than um, police officer A and B. Uh, <laughs> and Greg. Woodsman trudges all the way out there, out into the snow, and the beast is just, Oh, Woodsman, I've brought you another tree. He's a creepy uh, individual. Nah, this is this is serious mode. This is where the Woodsman learns that the Adelwood trees he had been cho- chopping down were from the lost souls of the forest. But Woodsman... Well- did already know that. No, he didn't know that. He I did. argue he knew that before, but when he says... I argue he had a hunch, but he didn't know explicitly. He hadn't actually watched it happen, and, like, watching something happen is a lot different than, like, yeah. maybe thinking vaguely yeah. about well, it. Well, when he sees the wood growing around Greg, he says, I didn't know. I argue. He's talking about when, back when they first made this deal, the, the beast was probably just like, chop down these trees and put them in this lantern. And the woodsman's like, all right. And he starts to get an inkling of what's going on. Because after he says the fact. that he says that the souls of children cannot be bargained with as tokens before he has this breakdown. So I think he did know well, on some level, but he had never watched it happen. Before, and watching it happen was where he actually put his foot down and said, "I can't do this." Anymore. Before now, there's and, been an abundance of trees. You just go chop one down, and like even if they are souls, they're already gone. I mean, what's the point? Here is when we're making more to fuel the deed, and that's not okay. Yeah. Also, hey, yo, whenever he does stop them in the forest in the uh, Ring of the Bell episode, he does mention that the beast is going to claim them for his forest. So yeah, he, so well, but I mean, fuck if Wart was listening. Again, I think I think he knew that it was wrong and that he was doing <laughs> it, but I think that having it put in front of him was where he had to say, no, look, this is wrong, even if it is my daughter in the lantern, I can't do this. It's not what she would have wanted, I think, were his words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or that's actually what distracts the woodsman um, into fighting the beast, because the woodsman... Well, first the... he puts his axe down and yeah. tries to take the wood off of Greg, but the beast reaches for the lantern, and the woodsman yeah. puts the back, axe back up and begins fighting the beast. Yeah. Yeah, so he, he kind of gives up Greg because he wants to keep his daughter alive. Because the woodsman wouldn't. Well, I think rather than... the beast rather think, wouldn't shut up. Yeah, I think rather that the woodsman knows that he's not going to be able to do anything while the beast is still over his shoulder trying to grab the lantern and, also, and do things. that was a calculated move on the beast part. Like, the woodsman said, shut up! Beast knew that if he kept running his mouth, he would stop breaking Greg out and buy himself time yeah, to... Yeah, yeah. Or also... if he didn't do anything, then the beast grabs the lantern and the beast still wins. Um, Woodsman starts fighting the beast. And um, this is when my heart breaks. Uh, Wirt and Beatrice, they're, they're going through the woods and they find the lantern on the ground, pick it up, and they're shining the light around and they see Greg, like, getting consumed by the tree. Patrick McHale uh, decided that it'd be the perfect time 
to start playing potatoes and molasses again. Except not, not exactly. Except slow and in Latin. Doesn't slow, somber, and you know what's up. Now, now guys, <sighs> these are when the tears start welling up. And it gets super, super bad, super emotional. And at this point, if you still haven't watched the show... Too I'm late sorry. now, fucker! I'm so, just give up. It's spoiled. I, it's over. You're never going to get the full impact of this media. It's spoiled completely now. You just... Uh, give up and submit to the soil of the earth. Oh, just fuck! Just submit to the soil of the earth. Sorrow Bur- and fear burn yourself in a Burn yourself in a lantern of darkness for all I care. I don't know. What, turn just, yourself just to a tree of oil for us to burn. Just, you know, keep listening. Do whatever you want. Please keep listening. We appreciate you. Moment of silence for Greg. <laughs> I mean, he, uh, I mean, he comes out of okay. respects for Greg. <laughs> yeah. We do get an excellent bit where Greg, <laughs> where Greg coughs up some leaves. Beatrice <laughs> goes, oh no, the leaves were growing inside him. And Greg goes, nah, I was just eating leaves. <laughs> Which he was doing earlier. He was roasting leaves by the campfire. It's at this point where Greg reveals he did steal the rock facts rock from old lady Daniel's garden. And they imply that that's actually why he's giving up. Because Hold he up. feels like, oh. Hold up. I have to I have to deliver the line. He tells Wart that he stole the rock and Greg goes like Greg's given up and he goes Wart, you have to give the rock back to old lady Daniels, Wart. I stole it, Wart. I'm a stealer. He's like, I'm bad, I'm a stealer and it's like, Craig, you beautiful boy, don't you ever listen to Wart tell you it's all your fault ever again and also he's not going to because he's going to bust you out and get home. Because he's gone through his character development. And That's it's right. great. Wart picks up the lantern that the woodsman and the beast left as they ran off into the trees to fight each other. Oh, oh what's boy. this? The beast has kicked the woodsman's ass? Yeah. Yep, he falls down. How did he do that? The woodsman's fucking shredded. Uh, yeah, his... the beast is more fucking shredded. No, no they're about not. the same. They're he's about got a soft, shitty can... body made of... Okay. Faces. Okay. In canon, in canon, he's magic and shit. Well, in canon, it is said that the um, that the woodsman did kick the beast's ass on at least one occasion beforehand to it's get the lantern. True. Yeah, it's a it's a fair fight. It was yeah. probably an it's off equal. day. It was an off day for the woodsman. He only did nine hundred push ups this morning. <laughs> the beast is like, and I did nine hundred and one. <laughs> in those years that the you had the lantern, I trained. <laughs> While you were busy you're... studying the lantern. <laughs> The woodsman forgot a couple reps while he was looking for that extra Edelwood. The beast tells Wirt that Greg is lost, but he can keep his soul alive if Wirt gives him the lantern so he can put Greg's soul into it. Just kind of like what he did for the, uh, you know, what he did for the woodsman. Yeah, right. sweet deal, he cut the woodsman. The yeah. Sweet deal. And at first Wirt agrees to this, and then he realizes, wait... That's stupid. I'm not just going to carry this lantern around forever. You have a weird obsession with it. You know why he does that? Because his soul is in the lantern. No. No, you know why he does that? Oh, why? Because he's alive. And he's not in limbo, doomed to make these same mistakes over and over again, even though it's dumb. Yeah, he's not the dead people with a Exactly. Unknown. He's still living. He's a he's a dude with a purpose, is what he is. Yeah, I, I, now that he's got to save his brother, he's got you that You started purpose. messing with Greg. That's not fucking cool. Ward's right. going to kick your ass now. Well, we get we get what is by far my favorite scene in the, in the entire show. Ugh. Just with Ward realizing that this is stupid. You, like, you're the one who wants to keep this lit, and it's because your soul is in here. And the woodsman makes, like, he flips out, he makes everything go dark, 
and he's like, okay. You mean the beast does? Damn it! So the woodsman makes a sad face. <laughs> <laughs> the woodsman's sad. So the woodman walks in woodman. and uh, puts his logs on the fire and gets himself a nice cup of, of dirt tea and lays down to watch this spectacle. What? I'm not allowed to make references to that. You want to watch Hilda later? Sure. Uh, okay. Who wanted to fight the woodman or woodsman? Woodsman? <laughs> I think the woodsman has an axe. <laughs> woodman is tree. Powers axe. Woodman powers barging in when he's not wanted and saying mean things to people. <laughs> so, Work puts down the lantern, but then immediately he picks it back up and realizes, wait, this is dumb. Your soul is in the lantern. And everything goes dark, because the beast flips out and extends, like, his shadow all around Wirt, and tries to bluff him out and says, okay, I'm basically gonna kill you. Do you know what, like, I'm gonna kill you. Are you ready to experience true darkness? But we get this really cool scene where Wirt looks into the beast's eyes, and it's the same eyes as, as, the, as the dog from the beginning. Still don't know what that means. Maybe it has something to do with those black turtles. Thanks, Patty! Wirt re- realizes that the beast is all talk. And he opens up the lantern and says, Are you? And, he, and he's about to blow it out when the beast just completely loses it and says, Don't, please, don't. And at that moment... War just scoffs. He's like, Bitch. And at that moment... <laughs> yeah, he says bitch in those lungs. <laughs> he does. Uh, nobody says fuck, but War does say bitch. <laughs> Over the garden wall, too. Boom. War says bitch in this one. <laughs> they, took, they took it down... They took it down a swear tier. Uh, yeah, Wirt just kind of realizes that the beast is nothing. Like, he's so pathetic. He's and all he... talk. He's only mind and, and emotions and manipulation. He's got no real powers of his own. He's as extremely as... vulnerable and just uses his words to make himself appear strong. Exactly. Yeah, if this fucking fire goes out, he's done. He's done so. And that leads perfectly into Nick's theory card. Okay, guys, I figured out what the beast is. What is he? Is he that thing that we've been saying he is this whole time? Culmination of negative emotions? Sort of. So if you guys ever gone out in the woods, and it's super scary, you're walking out in the woods, super dark, and you've got your flashlight with you, you're kind of shining it around, and you see like a shadow out of the corner of your eye, and you're terrified. You have no idea what it is. Then you realize the shadow was just, it was it was just the shadow of a tree that you shined your light over. That's what the beast is. He is a representation of fear that takes the form of exactly that, mm-hmm. a shadow cast by a light. That's really cool. Exactly. Nice. He is fear. I would argue that he's also grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he takes advantage of grief, and, like, fear kind of, it, it feeds off of, all, of all of your negative emotions, like mm-hmm. you guys were saying. Um, well, what Nick's saying is, like, that's what he's based off of. Yeah. That's his form, but, like, exactly. in, in this one, in this realm, he, he uses, like, all negative emotions to feed yeah. himself. Yeah, but know? that's sort of, like, kind of a very pure representation of what fear is. It is what you prescribe to something that could be totally benign, but because of the way that you view it, you think it's something powerful. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you realize that there's nothing there... You take and, that power uh, away. And you, turn, and you turn that light off, and you're just perfectly fine, and you're not afraid of it anymore, it loses all power over you. Fuck. It becomes nothing. Shit. 
that's and that's, cool as hell. And that's what he's so afraid of. He's afraid of people losing that fear in him. And that's all he is. He's just a formless shadow. Now, while we're in the theory space, mm-hmm. uh, have we ever pointed out that the Dark Lantern is a shitty lantern? <laughs> oh, yes. We talked about this in the last episode, but I think it was in a, a, a dead audio space where I, I had to edit it out. But basically, the Dark Lantern is a really shitty lantern. It shines, like, not very good light. Like, you can see some stuff, but it doesn't cast a very large... And ultimately, mm-hmm. at that point, you'd probably be better off just blowing it out and, and looking in the dark and letting your eyes acclimate to the dark rather than trying to cling on to one mm-hmm. tiny light source. Ultimately, it casts enough light to only see what the beast wants you to see. Mm-hmm. It's helpful to no one except for the beast. Exactly. It shines just enough that what is outside of the view of the lantern is is more scary than if, um, well, that's nothing. I don't think that's No, I, I agree with that, because when you've got just a little bit of light, your eyes are clinging to that light, and if you were to just turn the light out oh, and let yeah. yourself, like, be in the dark and accept that you are in the dark and let your eyes, like, kind of adapt to the darkness rather than trying to stare into this light, you can kind of see better that way. Yeah. I just love the fictions where the evil is not total darkness. I just love that so much. I love it when the evil thing is represented by light, or like a little bit of light, and that dark is not necessarily evil. That shit's my jam. Dark is just another perspective, or Uh lack thereof, or just... That's it. It's like dark isn't necessarily evil. It it seems scary. It seems bad, but you're just freaking out over not a lot. It's just another perspective. It's basically just the same side or another side of the same coin. It's exactly. just the absence of light. That's all. It's nothing actually evil attached to it. So that's all. I mm-hmm. love this. I love that shit. Where in this case, you're better off in the dark than with the shitty light that the that the beast gives you. It's like when the teacher turns the lights off. And you can't see anything, and then that one shitty kid in the back of the class screams. Um, but then you can see everything fine after a moment. Mm, what like the that. fuck are you talking about? You know, when the teacher turns off the lights so you can watch a video or something, and someone's like, Ah! I can't see! It's dark! Typically that always happened when the teacher turned the lights back on after the video was over. Well, no, you know what I mean. No, it was never turned off. Like, you know what I mean. Like, like some jerk in the back of the class, little... Some Billy. asshole <sighs> thinks they're the top of the town. Anyway. Billy Johnson. Billy Johnson. Jason Funderburger. Jason Funderburger. Jason Funderburger is the kid that screams when the teacher turns the light off. It's like, click. Ah. Hey, Sarah. You want to go to the park? There's a ghost right there. Do you believe in ghosts? We, I am... there's one right behind you. I am verging into a totally different context of this. And with that, we're done with Nick's Theory Corner. Yep. I think that's a pretty good place to, to, to leave it off. Uh, okay. It's okay, Thunderburger. Then, Wirt gives it back to the woodsman. He says that, hey, woodsman, this is yours. You've got your stuff. I've got my own stuff to worry about. And he walks away, um, takes the axe, cuts Greg free, and walks off into the night. Well, well, before, before he... that, he shows Beatrice that the whole time he had the magical scissors that will cut her wings off that he used to get out of Adelaide's house and didn't give them to her because he was mad at her. Spite. Fair. 
<laughs> yeah. But he gives them to her then, and they part ways and uh, say that they're going to miss each other, and uh, yeah. So, Wart and Greg and Beatrice make their uh, tearful goodbye, and the Beast is sitting there, and the Beast is trying to convince the Woodsman that they're all just trees. All of them are just trees. Do, why would you take that chance? Why would you listen to Wart? They are trees for you to cut down with your axe, Woodsman. Go and cut them down! He's desperately trying to convince the woodsman that his daughter is in it, and he will lose her if he lets it go out. But the woodsman, the jig's already up for the woodsman, he knows. Well, I just realized this now, but listening to what the beast is saying, it seems like the beast is trying to convince the, the woodsman to axe murder them Yeah, right he now. is. No, yeah, he's, try, he's trying to convince, he's at a last, as a last-ditch effort... <laughs> The beast is trying to convince the woodsman to turn into an axe murderer and murder three children that are that are standing in front of him just trying to go home. Which, why the fuck would he do that? He's yeah. kept his moral compass this Yeah, he, of course he's not going to do that, but, like, the beast is literally on his last legs right now. He's it's trying anything he can, because he has no real <laughs> abilities of his own. He can only convince it's, people to do things that are bad. And the woodsman does murder. The, the beast is on his last weird, spindly tree legs. The woodsman opens the lantern... Blows it out. Well, first. Oh, shit, right. First, the woodsman swings the lantern around and catches the the beast for a split second. And he, like, pulls back, afraid of the light. Which kind of goes back to him being a shadow. Mm-hmm. But for the split second that he's illuminated, we see what the beast looks like out of the shadows. And it is... Mm, a bunch of fucking faces, it's, just horrified, making kind of, up his entire body. He's, like, body. made of the Edelwood, but he's made of all the faces. Like, typically the Edelwood tree has one face, and the beast is just all of these faces twisted mm-hmm. into, like, terrifying. I like to think that it is representative of every face of every soul that had died and every tree that had gone into the lantern. Man, and I actually heard that, uh, to make him even more terrifying, they based his final design off of trypophobia. Oh! Which is the fear of a bunch of tiny holes. Oh, that shit's real. Which is just... Mm, boy. Oh, he's creepy. He's unnerving and creepy and great, and I love him. And then uh, he's dead. And then he's dead. Yep, the woodsman blows the lantern out and, and kills the beast and ends the problem. And the last words we hear in the unknown, uh, in the inky blackness, are Wirt and Beatrice saying goodbye to one another. And then we cut to Wirt waking up in the river, where it all started, swimming over, grabbing Greg and... The frog. Which uh, at this point had been named Jason Funderburker. No, he had not. No, he had. Oh, yeah, he no, had. He, had. he, he was Wart, Jason Funderburker. Right before point. he cut out Greg uh, in the tree, said, we gotta get you and Jason Funderburger home. And Greg agreed that was the perfect name for a frog. That's true. It's the perfect name. I think name. Greg just wanted Wart to participate and help and, like, give him a name for the frog. And, and that's why he kept uh, changing the name. Well, yeah, that's like, he felt like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the, he was looking for the right name. And the only, like, right name he would have would be one given to him by his big brother. That. Aww. Oh, my God. Back to them climbing out of the water and, and calling for help. During this, it's playing a uh, vocal version of uh, Beatrice's theme. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Which is so good. Work climbs out of the water with his brother, and we've got like the kids and the fantastic cop, Angel that he is, uh, searching for, for Wirt and his brother. Uh, they find him, he collapses on the ground, and they're taken to the hospital. In the hospital, Greg is telling all the other kids the story of going in the unknown, and he's shaking his frog around. And that frog's belly is still glowing. 
Oh, also, before that, real quick. Thank God all this bullshit wasn't just a dream. (laughs) So Greg's telling everybody the story of their adventures. They shake his frog around. The frog's belly's a-glowing. And Wart wakes up and sees Greg uh, up and out and about. And his hair, by the way, is beautifully combed. Which is, I just thought it was amazing because they had such hat hair the the whole time. And it was awesome. He says something about Jason Thunderburger. And then Jason goes, me. And then Greg goes, not you, our frog. I named him Jason, or we named him Jason Thunderburger. At that point, Wirt and Sarah are having a conversation. Sarah hands him back the tape, tells him that she can't listen to it because she doesn't have a tape player at her house. That's not the word. Oh, well. But he very confidently invites her to his house so they can listen to it together. Damn, Wirt. But, back- but then he backtracks a bit. He's like, actually, let's make our way up to that tape. Damn it, Wart. Like, listen, steps, baby guess. steps, and I'm proud of him. I've listened to part of that actual tape that they released. You can look it up online, and it's great. <laughs> it's something. It's something real. Then the narrator comes in as they pan out and show the city. Well, now, real quick, I want to mention the city. Uh, did you guys know that it's the city from Clarence? Yeah. Yeah. You don't That's... want to mention our frog? Our frog. Our frog. No, not your frog. <laughs> that is a thing that happens. That is a thing that happens. It was uh, great. Yeah, I think it's called the city and Clarence is called Outwardale. Like, I can't imagine that it's the same place. Um, but I think that what probably happened there was just that the people who were working on over the garden wall needed a shot for the city. And they just went up and borrowed one from Clarence. Yeah, basically. Well, they God. drew it in their own, but I think they used the... Yeah. The I like... We'll have the time to design a whole other city, for fuck's sake. I do like to think they do take place in the same universe, and the just the economy of the moods between the two shows is hilarious to me. I would not like to think. Uh. Yeah. And the narrator comes in and says, and the story was over, and everybody was satisfied with the ending. <laughs> and yet, over the garden wall. And then we get a beautiful montage of everybody's stories coming to a close. We get the woodsman back at his cabin, sitting there all sad and forlorn. But then, the door opens, and his daughter comes out, and it's beautiful. They have a tearful reunion. He stands up. He's so happy. Oh, it's beautiful. Then we get the ending to everybody else's story. We see um, Marguerite Gray looking lovingly at a photo of, or painting, of Quincy Endicott, and uh, Everybody Loves Raymond the Horse. Um. We see a shot of Lorna finally getting a break, reading a book, and Auntie Whispers gets her some tea. That one hits home for me really badly, honestly. Yeah, we mm. see a frog settling in, like, sleepily into the mud. That's actually one of my favorites. Cause getting it, getting some air. Because steam coming out of that frog's oh, nose and then going back into the mud. It's I warm in there. That one, I love that one. We um, get a shot of the toy maker's toys. He had made a couple toys of Wart and Greg. We get the skeletons are all, there after their harvest festival, they've kind of got, they're kind of just all laying scattered about. And the big thing that was Enoch, is just sitting there empty. And a, a, cat. Oh, that's and a cat pops out of it. That's her name. We get a shot of uh, Miss Langtree and uh, her Jimmy Brown. Watching the um, circus. With, yeah. With with the students. With a different dude wearing the uh, the gorilla suit. Yeah. And we yes, get a... darling. I was not the gorilla <laughs> this time. <laughs> and we get a closing shot of Beatrice and her family sitting down for a meal. Them gently poking fun at her. For Beatrice turning. has a dog? 
Yeah, her yeah, dog the is dog. the one. Her, her dog, dog is the, the dog. one that was in the first episode. I know, it was Wait. her dog. It was a good boy. And they gently make fun of her for turning them all into bluebirds. But it's all in good fun. Stop calling happy. it dirt. What are you gonna do? Turn us into bluebirds? <laughs> I could never no, act- show up and eat your dirt. Now I can never actually figure out if they knew that she did it or if they were just kind of making fun of her for claiming that she that she was responsible for it. Uh, I think they Yeah, I think they either way. I think she, I think she told him, but I can almost imagine her not believing it's them, f- not believing her. No, then it's again, the fucking unknown. I think they can. It could go either way. Then again, what's more unbelievable, Beatrice turning them all into bluebirds, or the fact that they were bluebirds for a extended period of time? <laughs> they were people, and now they're bluebirds. What's the crazier claim? I hope they weren't. I hope they weren't all in that tree when they switched back, because that would get uncomfortable. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it was a big treat. Well, One thing I was unclear about is if, like, once Beatrice's wings are snipped off, if everyone's fixed or she's got to, like, go No, because she had to take, she, uh, with Adelaide, she was, and it might have been her lying just to try to get away, but she did say she had to take the scissors back and cut her family's wings, and then she could come back and be the servant to Adelaide. Gotcha. Sounds like it hurt. So I think they all need their wings cut off. How many okay. birds do you think it took to operate those scissors? For like, like ah! once you have one human, it's pretty easy. But for the first snip, how Ugh. how many? Well, it depends on if they actually have to cut the wings off, or if they just kind of have to snip, snip, and then that, that's the spell. Oh, come on, Jeremy, hold it steady. God, shit, fuck. That it's was messy. What? It's hard with these little birds. I mean, it depends on if they actually just have to snip the feathers a little or if they have to perform actual surgery to amputate yeah, that's the wings. Which, yeah, I hope it's the first one. I mean, I yeah. thought it was just like, you know, when you clip a bird's wings, you just snip some of the feathers, and I figured that's what it was. Uh, yeah. Because those scissors ain't going to cut through bone, just saying. Uh, ah! well, well, it's hollow bone. Uh, so <laughs> no, no we're bone. done. We're done. Uh, ending. Someone talk about the very ending shot. Gavin. I know you want to do it. What's the very ending shot? You know what the ending shot is? It's your boy. Oh, yeah. It's my boy. The the whole show ends off. Yo, your boy, Jason Thunderburger, the frog this time, just shredding out them keys on the piano. <laughs> we end where we started. In the black void. In the and black we void. And it was his beautiful voice that sang us into the show. Who's serenading us the whole way through. Now I'm imagining it. Now I'm imagining the end shot. But it's it's Jason Funderburger, but it's the human version, and it's like the most wonderful eyes of all. <laughs> and over the garden wall. This was a beautiful thing. Why did we ruin it? Well, looks like we've gone over the whole darn thing. Well down. Looks like Looks we're like in Final Thoughts territory. the gorilla. Sam, as our special guest, would you like to give your final just summary of how you feel about the Over the Garden Wall? Yeah, so Final Thoughts, I think this is an amazing show, and I think that it's kind of a Halloween fall classic, and it's worth, if you haven't seen it yet, it's so much worth watching, and it's so much worth just watching again and again every year just to pick up on, you know, new little things that you miss. I want to watch it now. We just watched the whole thing, and I want to watch it now. Again. I was taking notes. I was busy. Yeah, like, every year I try to I try to catch this at least once um, just because it's so it's something that's so relaxing, and you can just sit back and watch it all happen right in front of you. And well, it's relaxing feels, at first. Well, yeah. But it just feels warm, and you're just watching these beautiful fairy tales play out in front of you. And it's just so lovely. I I like it every year. Fairy tales is exactly the perfect, just, like, feeling that you get from it. (laughs) 
just all the emotion, like, the art is gorgeous. I mean, the characters are designed simply, but the background art, oh my god. The story at times is heart-wrenching, but also heartwarming. I love seeing the interaction between the brothers. It really pulls your freaking heartstrings. And it's goddamn horrifying at some parts. Like, every year I watch it, I feel like I appreciate more the scope of... It's based... It's kind of a horror. Like... It's, it's like a fine cheese. It gets like, better with age. Yeah. Like, it's... This is... This is the kind of horror type stuff I love. Like, there's no jump scares in it, but there's just this, like, these real adult fears. Not, like, die in the moment fear, but, like... Dread. Dread, yes. Real adult fear that you are witnessing these young children deal with. And at the same time, you can still sing potatoes and molasses. God, I love it. Yeah, and I feel like the fear kind of comes in, like, sometimes. Like, in some episodes, you'll just be scared the entire way through. But other times, it's just fun. It's just Mm -hmm. happy, fun, just lovely. It's lovely. I love how the show just, it's... Scary and unnerving, and it's mysterious, and it just just pulls you every which way in in terms of plot twists and unexpectedness and and all sorts of stuff. I love how well Greg's character was done. Oh yes, just because he is such a good comedic relief, and he will actually make you laugh with his antics every damn time. And then he's just the purest boy, and that even while the fear is setting in, and even while this is dreadful, he can still make you, nah, I was just eating leaves earlier. When the show threatens to take him away, when he's sitting there dying at the clutches of that tree and the beast, you feel horrible. Like, it, he does his job so, so well. And that's that's what makes the show amazing. But not just that; it's that the voice acting's great, the art is great, the writing is great. Fucking War ain't too bad himself. He's a really well done character. And I know we've ripped on him this whole time, but that's because he has flaws and he gets through it and develops himself into a freaking hero by the end. Yeah, he has those flaws and he addresses those flaws, and he becomes. Uh, a better person by the end of it. I'm scared you guys are getting the idea that we don't like Wart. We do. Wart's no, we amazing. Do. I no. fucking love Wart. No, he's he's like, awesome. He's fantastic. Oh. He just had a flaw, and he got over it. Which oh is like God. a badass. Sorry. I just had a quick moment. Like, Wart's flaws are very complex, such as not being able to assert himself or dodging responsibility, while Greg's flaws being a much more simple... Greg doesn't have any flaws. Well, no... He has the fl- his flaw is basically he stole a rock. I mean, he feels bad for it and he rectifies it in the end. And I think it's a very interesting like view into Wirt's weird teenage complex life versus Greg is still a young child and everything is still very simple to him. And it's I find it interesting that the things they have to deal with in the show kind of reflect that. The precious boy stole a rock, and I love him. <laughs> Word is like, I don't think I'm as impressive as everybody else around me, and I don't think that other people like me, and Greg's is very much just like, I did a bad thing. Yeah. Every time Greg says, I'm a stealer, Ugh. I stole a rock, or I'm a stealer, that snaps my heart right in half every time. Did everyone give their thoughts? Yeah, we all yeah. gave our thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think it's time for ratings. Rating right. time? Yeah, for me, this one's a clean 9 out of 10. I feel like it's it's fantastic. It is exactly what it wants to be. I mean, like, the only thing that keeps it at from being a 10 out of 10 is that sometimes it just isn't 100% for me. And that's perfectly fine. Like, I could not ask any more of it. 
it's just fantastic. I love it. It's ten episodes of pure goodness. I think I want to give this show a... I don't know, I'm feeling 9.4, 9.5. This is just a good fucking show. The quality's high. It falls short a couple of times. Um, That one episode where uh, <laughs> the plot twist was kind of out of left field, and it was like, all right, I, like, where were the, you know, work kind of made the, the jump that it was actually two mansions merged into one a little bit easily. It was kind of kind of dodgy there, but for the most part, this is a really good show. Really high quality and really well done. And nothing really super rubs me the wrong way all the damn time on this show. It's I just have a good time watching it. So, 9.5. Um, I'm going the same as Nick. I'm giving it a 9 out of 10. On principle, I think I'll probably never give a show a 10 out of 10. Because there's no such thing as a perfect show. No, there's a lot of room between 9 and 10. Yeah, I know, I'm just saying, I'm never going to give anything a perfect 10, because everything's going to have its issues. Yeah, fair. You know, over the garden wall, not everything is written perfectly, but damn if most of it is a hard hitter. Beautiful art, beautiful music, wonderfully written characters. Ugh. The lore is just so interesting to me, I just want to know everything about the unknown, and that's like the best way to know that I'm into something, that I want to know literally everything about whatever the IP is. Yeah, I don't think I can gush any more than I already have. Over the Garden Wall is a yearly tradition for me, and I love it to bits. I'm going to give this show a 98 out of 100, because one time I wrote a report on it for school, and that's the grade I got. Hell yeah! <laughs> she writes a meme paper, but also, what the fuck, Teach? Teach what, knows what's up. What, what, no, what are you taking them two points off for? Oh. oh. Some random stuff. Yeah, like, Teach knows 98% of what's up. My problem <laughs> with Teach is that Teach didn't give me that paper to do. <laughs> Honestly. Well, they got to write about, like, whatever. We, yeah, we got, to, they we got to write an analysis on any, like, media that we wanted to. I took literally the same class, and they didn't give me that paper. Lame. But I, I know it's the same class, because I saw one of her, like, um, like artwork pieces in the book that we had. Shit! Wait, we, who, we... mine? Yeah, but no, your, uh, on one of your assignments was in our book. Oh, jeez. I, I think I told you I know, that. No, this. I know it was in my college's book, because I won the award yeah. for getting it published. I didn't know yeah. it was in other colleges' yeah, books. Yeah, no, it was in there. Like, I, I, I'm, oh, going, yeah. I'm going through the book, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's an over-the-garden-wall dance. Holy awesome. Shit. What was your book? Oh! <laughs> That's Sam! I don't know what it was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, like, full of examples of, of all Yeah, all that's, that's what our book was, but yeah. I was wondering if you guys used the same textbook. Cause exact same one. Yeah. The wow. hilarious bit that's was that rad. Nick was bringing his textbook to show it to us, because he's like, hey, look at this cool example I found, and then he found, oh, shit. <laughs> he, looked at the, he looked at the author. <laughs> that name. You could have brought it anyway. I would be like, mm. hey, I made that. It's fantastic. It's great. Thank you to my dear cousins, Anna, for doing the art, and Sammy for doing the lettering on our wonderful image. <laughs> Cover image. Nice. This is a good build-up. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, there's links in the podcast. Really hit hard, the climax. <laughs> there's links in the podcast description for their social medias. Please check them out. They're very talented, and yeah. I love them dearly. First of all, I, I want to thank uh, Ryan, I think. We we still used Reader's Song because, you know, still special episode stuff, you know. But I want to thank Ryan because, you know, everybody, you know, got together. We had lunch, had some coffee, 
talked it over, talked out our differences, and I just I felt like I really wasn't seeing his perspective before. But now <laughs> I know where he's coming from, and I love you, buddy. But there was quite a bit of yelling and table flipping at that coffee session, and boy, you should have fucking seen it. It was awesome. Uh, go check out Ryan's uh, other stuff. He's known as Chongo Online. He has a bunch of solo stuff. Uh, the song we typically use is a uh, Bacon Hat. It's from his album Hat Shop. Where all is it on? On Bandcamp, on Bandcamp. And Spotify. You can get it on Bandcamp and Spotify. Yeah, if you want to see some things that he has, you know, other people doing with him. Also, uh, he, he's in the band with Penny Parker. It's called Go Child. Some punctuation in there. Uh, some, some, <laughs> an expo- exclamation partner point. Fuck, exclamation pointer to uh, littered in there. Go check that out as as well. It's awesome. I'd also like to thank a reader. He did an, an amazing job on making a cover for uh, what's the song called? Into the Unknown. Yes. yes. And then our beautiful voiced uh, Laura on our very own podcast for doing amazing vocals on that song. Thanks. Laura. Um, it was seriously, it <laughs> was amazing. You. The first time I listened to it, I was just awestruck, and it was awesome. Reader so. did a great job with the instrumental and mixing it. Thank you, Reader. You're so good to me. <laughs> Reader, you're the best. Finally, thank you to Lunar Light Studio for having us on the network. Check out the other shows on the network, such as The Good Boys Girls about the McElroy family of products, Tin Pan Diddly Do, a musical theater history podcast, and There's a New Challenger Approaching, Overwitch, an Overwatch podcast. That's there's also, it. Other, there's also other, other ones. Video games. Okay, okay. It's named after Overwatch. Okay, it's named after Overwatch, but they do other stuff. Uh, Which they, you would know if well, you check it out. Yeah, they talk, about, they talk about Overwatch and then they review a new game in each episode. They've been going for a while, actually, but they joined us. Yeah, they just recently joined the Lunar Light family. Thank you, Overwatch, for being here, I guess. We subsumed them. What? There's also other podcasts on the network. Please check, check them out. Check them out. They're great. Check out every single podcast. Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? I compel you. All. The power of storyboard compels you. The ringing of the storyboard compels you, ding dong! The ringing of the storyboard compels you, dumbass. (laughs) Bong, bong. Uh, And finally, thank you to our special guest, Sam. We love her. Thank you guys for having me for a second time. We had fun. I mean, it would have been weird to have you for part one and then not for part two. Yeah! But yeah, sure, anytime. Alright guys, I got some news. Um, we're gonna be switching over to a bi-weekly schedule, uh, from here on out. And this is largely just because we have been very busy We're lately. busy fucking college students yeah. with weird schedules, please understand. The weird part is, is that it's not just the, the sheer work of the matter, being able to edit the thing, but it's all being free at the same time to be able to record an episode. And I feel like casting a, a wider net of, of a two-week time span that we could try to match up our schedules with, having two weekends to be able to do that, instead of one, is going to work out a lot better. As you know, this this episode's already late, and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. and I don't want this to keep happening. I don't want to keep making promises that we can't keep. We're going to make sure we can keep a consistent and reliable output of things for you guys. To listen to. To listen to. With your ear holes. Thank you for listening to us, by the way. There's so many good people. I can't believe the amount of people who are listening. You guys are so cool. Final thank you. Thank you to our listeners. Thank you. You guys are the best. Because you listen to us specifically. That makes you the best. (laughs) It's fantastic. We love you all. Also, I feel like... (sighs) 
there's there's a bright side to this. I feel like we won't be just, you know, churning out the episodes. We'll be able to actually maybe, I'd like to, meet up and analyze rather than just make. So that maybe we can get some quality up. We're, I, we're new at this, you know? Thank That's you for all. your patience. <laughs> Thank you. For, we appreciate your patience. Finally, one last thing I'd like to say before we all leave it out. If you haven't watched the show yet, go watch the goddamn show. You motherfucker. What in the hell? I know, we just spoiled the whole thing for you, but guess what? The whole thing's been spoiled for us before by the fact that we've watched it before, <laughs> and it's still fucking amazing to watch. We've told you every year we watch it, and it's great, and also sometimes in the middle of the year we're feeling it, you because it's amazing. Absolute troglodyte, so watch it immediately. Watch the fucking culture yourself. Go watch it. Jesus. Put this show in your body. Absorb it. Turn into an Adelwood tree. Buy it. Buy a DVD copy, put it onto your belly. Give my boy Patrick all of your money. <laughs> this is getting weird. We're ending this. <laughs> all right, we're done. Hey, we're hey done. guys, hey guys. So typically, we do a bit on this show where we ask all of us, hey, would you like to watch even more of this show? Because, you know, we've only watched a small portion. But this time around, we've watched all of it. So that point is kind of uh, mute, so I, I guess, I don't know. Hey guys, do you want to watch even more of the show? Yes. I'll watch it th- again. Absolutely. I'm going to watch yeah. it again. I'm going to watch it again. On my car ride home, I'm going to listen to the soundtrack. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, fucking that's right. I'm going to look up that uh, mixtape. That... I'm going to read all the comics. Yeah, the partial I Sarah I need to get my hands tape. on those comics. I've I, I got some. I've got we, some. We have a couple of comics. Put, I have a couple put, of put together, we've got like up to up to 20. Oh, yeah. Shit. You got them. Cool. All right. right. Ending thought. Watch it, please. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye, Bye. guys. Bye, good friends. Thank you so much. Ooh, dinner. Oh, Oh, shit. Is that turkey still warm? I doubt it. Nice. No, it's cold as fuck. Are you eating all of it? Yeah, I am. No, I'm still hungry. Fuck you. I still am waiting for something that has the same meaning as the <laughs> that has nothing to do with with Hunger Games. I want to I want to convey that concept to somebody else. Without this is Obama. It's been an honor. Exactly. <laughs> just just reference Hunger Games. It's Hunger Games. Who cares, guys? Oh my god! What were you even talking about?
We were talking about oh, Thanksgiving. Hello. Hello. What? Hello. Hello. Is anybody there? Hello. Mr. Obama, is that you? The storyboard studio slowly begins filling with water. Oh no! Oh no! 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 Oh please, somebody help me! This is Obama. It's been an. We are mixing our memes. Everybody roll an acrobat. Or, no, that would be an athletics check. Just swim. <laughs> Back at it again. Krispy Kremes. <laughs> what else can we get in there? I, I'm at road, so I've got high dex. Can I uh, roll to flip over the water and onto the, the cabinet? Only if you can hit the Krispy Kremes sign on the way.